everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the uh, Fourth String Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Brady, with my co-host, Mitch and Skyler. Gentlemen, how are we doing on this fine Wednesday evening before Turkey Day? Doing all right. It'll be nice to see, you know, the family tomorrow and all that good stuff. Yeah, I, it's going to be nice to just kind of, you know, have a break. Honestly, for me, that's what that's what I'm liking the most about this is it's no no school for a little bit. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, we have a we had a great episode planned for you. Another insane week across the football world. Um, upsets. Uh, the NFL season w- still remains to be crazy, um, but. We have a great episode. We got the college football picks, but we're also going to be handing out our college football awards. Not all of them, but just a good chunk of them. Um, we've already did our like midseason NFL awards and our uh, midseason uh, NFL playoff predictions and stuff. Um, now that the now that the end of the college football season for a lot of teams ends next week, um, we're doing our end of year awards for college football, and then we're also doing our uh, recap of the NFL uh, season or sorry, week last week, and our look ahead to next week, as well as our hero and our putts. So, um, do we want to start with the awards, or do we want to start with the uh, with college football week in review and stuff? Let's do week in review, then awards, then pick yeah. up. Got it. Right. Um, so, uh, the, uh, so uh, last week, week 12 of the season, uh, started with Ohio State annihilating oh. Michigan State. 56 to seven. I was walking around camp Randall. We pulled into Scotty bar. I look up on the screen and it's 35 to nothing. Ohio state with around 10 minutes left in the second quarter. Like just Ohio state annihilates Michigan state. Uh, Wake forest gets annihilated by Clemson. Whose offense finally showed up for the first time this season. Uh, Iowa survives Illinois. Arkansas loses uh, to Al- to number two Alabama. Uh, Wisconsin beats Nebraska in a very tough game. Uh, Pittsburgh survives uh, a strong performance by Virginia. The uh, Roadrunners of Texas San Antonio remain undefeated, even though they uh, they beat the uh, UAB Blazers, who's a team that's close to this entire podcast. Heart uh, Cincinnati gets style points in a dominating win over Tanner Mordecai and the SMU Mustangs. Uh, Baylor continues to thrive. Oregon gets throttled at Utah. The Utes absolutely annihilate the Ducks and Oklahoma State and Ole Miss win as well. So lots of great games to talk about. There's some huge upsets that have massive implications going into the final week of the college football season. But what what stood out to you guys? What do you guys want to start with? What game was the craziest? Yeah, there's a couple. Uh, obviously, we got to talk about the big one in the Big Ten. Uh, Ohio State taking then numbered uh, seven in the country, Michigan State to the woodshed. Um, like right it was the same score. Signs. Uh, uh, oh no, that was James yeah. Franklin. I'm sorry. Never mind. No. Yeah. Sorry. Oh no, no. Mel Tucker just signed a nine-year extension before then. Yeah, but it was like so a it's, one year so it, Yeah, oh, ninety-eight still, million okay. dollar. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. So go ahead, Mitch. I apologize. Yeah, but uh, it was just crazy because if you look at another game, like. I, what was it, Georgia playing like Georgia Southern or some shit team like that? And it was the yeah, same score. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was insane. And, you know, Ohio State's definitely a good offensive team, probably the best. And uh, I, I'm kind of hoping that it's Ohio State and Georgia in the finals just to see that offense go against that defense. I just think it's going to be a beautiful matchup. Um, and then the other game, uh, Florida losing to Mizzou in overtime, leading to the firing of Dan Mullen. Um, 
And I think some statistic came out too after Sam Allen got fired that like Mizzou has been like a coach killer because uh, yeah. like immediately like after losing to Mizzou, I think it's SEC teams like the coach immediately gets fired. So I think that's kind of funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, just like let's. How about we just start with the, that Ohio State Michigan State game first there, and then uh, and then Skyler will let you take it away. But. Like that game, the fact that Prairie View A&M University lost to Texas A&M by the same amount as the number seven team in the nation did to the number four team. Like, does every does everybody right now want to take back all the bad stuff they've said about Ohio State so far? Like, given well, no, these last no, no, two no, no, performances, no. The, these last couple of performances, all right, given how dominant they've been against a ranked Purdue team, how dominant they've been against a team that just beat Michigan. And, and the fact that what they've scored six touchdowns on their first six drives or four touchdowns, whatever the fuck the statistic is on their, on their first couple of drives, these last couple of games, like, is it time that you guys retract what you said about Ohio state or are you going to hold firm heading into this Michigan game? No, I'm, I'm going to hold firm because the, the thing that, the thing that I think we forgot to is Michigan State has the worst pass defense in college football, and that was something that you know I think all, I at least overlooked. Um, was not something that I had seen. I just looked at total defense, not at um, at pass defense, because they were like they they are literally the last in FBS in pass defense, and you're going up against CJ Stroud, who's had his troubles, his problems, but has three of the most electric wide receivers in college football on his team. So yeah, that, that, three 1, that yard yeah, three 1000 yard receivers on his team, which is not something that's been done since Texas tech did it. And yeah. Texas tech is just throws the ball. This is a team that also has like yeah. a thousand yard rusher on their team. So like, this is a very dynamic, uh, offense, but we've seen that good or even okay. Defenses can hold them to, to, uh, uh, to, to stand up, we said Nebraska oh, yeah, was able. Yeah, Nebraska. yeah, Nebraska was able to do it. Even though that Jaden, uh, Jaden, the Jaden, uh, or it's not Jaden, it's not his first name. Um, oh yeah, Smith. Uh, Smith and Jigba. Yeah, yeah Smith, Smith and, and Jigba. Jigba. Smith and Jigba had 200 yards on Nebraska, but Alave uh, uh, had nothing. So it's like you were able to see that they were still able to hold him, keep under points, cause turnovers, things like that. Something that Michigan State just wasn't able to do. Purdue, I think, is more impressive how much they were able to score on Purdue because Purdue was a top 25 defense. They'd been able to take the ball away, things like that. Michigan State, not as much. I, I it, Right now, whoever – there are three teams that they can face. If they beat Michigan, there are three teams that they can face in the Big Ten Championship. It's going to be either Minnesota, Wisconsin, or Iowa. And – any of those three teams, or maybe not. Well, no, it's it's going to be Wisconsin or Iowa. Let's be let's be. Well, no, I mean Minnesota. All Minnesota, Minnesota has to do is win, and they're in. So yeah. Well, okay. So Minnesota and Iowa and and Wisconsin. Three of those, like Iowa, has a, a team that is that prides itself on taking the ball away and has had some good wins over ranked opponents. And Wisconsin has the number one defense in the country. It's number two know. now after Nebraska. It's number two after Nebraska. Okay. Fuck okay. you but guys. Still, love you. <laughs> um, but uh, but rather second, lost. But second <laughs> still be the second. number one defense and lost. <laughs> no, you would be the number two. Uh, <laughs> Mitch, you say that, but if we had lost on a three to zero game where the total offense was 50 yards between both teams, you'd have, you'd have died of stroke. You would have had an anger stroke yeah. and died. So, uh, but, but like, so that, so that's what it's like. So, and then if, if Ohio state does 
make it through Wisconsin and through Michigan, which is not something, or even Iowa, that's not something that, you know, is, is a guarantee right now. Then they have to go and face Georgia or Cincinnati or Bama uh, or even Notre Dame. All, all top is, 10 defenses. All top 10 defenses. Except, except Notre Dame. But Notre Dame they still has one of the Notre Dame has yeah. one, has the best defensive back in college football on their team right now. Kyle, so it's like he's out. Kyle Hamilton. They lost Kyle Hamilton midseason. Since out. Oh, yeah, shit. he's been out since midseason. Why is he in a war? Why is he on the award lists if he's been out? He's, he's, uh, just, he's just that good. That's what. Well, it is. how come there's an Ohio State uh, receiver for the best receiver in the country? Because yeah. nobody wants to give it to Ohio State. That's why. Um, <laughs> but like, so so that's it. You're still facing a, another. To, you're going to have to face another top 10 defense. You're going to have to face at least two top 10 defenses Probably to more. win the championship, maybe more. Um, so so I'm still kind of reserved. If if it's Ohio State and Wisconsin and Ohio State plays the way that they did against Michigan State and Purdue and they do against Michigan and Wisconsin or Iowa, then I'll be like, okay, this team offensively is is something we've never seen before. But I'm going to withhold that because we saw that Michigan State has such a terrible pass defense that – and they had struggles against Nebraska. They had struggles against uh, Oregon. They had struggles against Penn State when it came to offensive production and scoring points. Maybe not yards, but scoring points. So we'll have to see how how that continues to go. I'm done talking. No, sorry. I'll take one point back. Um, I was impressed by their run defense. Obviously, keeping Kenneth Walker to what thirty yards. Six I wasn't sure if they're twenty-five yards. Yeah, 25 yards. I, that was the one, like, that was their biggest issue, the weakness. Um, but th- it was a great turnaround for them to go to, you know, the C.J. Verdell game, the Mohammed Ibrahim game, to do it to the best running back in the nation. I- I've been proud for that, and I'll take that back. The, you know, the defense showed that it can play, especially that run defense. So I'll agree with Mitch on that one. That run defense did show up against, against the best running back in college football right now. So, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying, gentlemen. Um, but Skyler, what else kind of stood out to you in the in the college football world last week? Um, well, I have to talk about Nebraska Wisconsin. Like, it was a great game. It was the first time that Nebraska's gone toe to toe with Wisconsin, or Nebraska's gone toe to toe with Wisconsin t- since um, your offensive lineman as a kicker hit the last second field goal. Yeah, I can never, I can never remember his last name. So I, it's, it's, it's that guy. Um, but he, that was, that was the last time we were, you guys won by three in Lincoln. Wasn't he in the car with the, yeah. no, but he knew, no, he, I don't think he was oh, in the car. Yeah, he yeah, knew yeah. them, but he knew, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. He was at yeah, that he, thing that they're all at. He was yeah, at the, guys, he was at the West camp. High school, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was at the camp. Um, but yeah, so there was all of that. Um, so that, that was kind of just like a source of like pride. And then also the fact that our offense is the one that knocked you from one to two makes me happy. I was telling the guys in the group chat afterwards, putting up almost 500 yards and scoring four touchdowns um, on the number one defense in college football. That's, that's not something to be ashamed of. Nebraska gets a good OC that, you know, can keep us playing consistently. That's awesome. I'm really happy. And I I have to say Wisconsin's offense played better than I thought you did get helped by a a poor kickoff coverage where you fumbled the, where you, Muff the kick and still score a touchdown, and then two picks. Well, I mean, he didn't muff so, it; it just ba- it took it bounced and it, it, died there. Yeah. And he yeah. Wait a second. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, still, that should have been, he should have been tackled by at the fifteen. Oh, yeah. Like he shouldn't have been like. So you got held by that and two picks. So that that's part of it too. But like that, Wisconsin's offense performed a lot better. Allen is 
a great running back um, because this isn't a this isn't like past Nebraska run defenses where you're like, oh, this is a run defense that lets up like six or seven yards per carry. No, this is a run defense that kept Ohio State under 100 yards of rushing. This kept um, Michigan State under 100 yards of rushing. Like this is it. This isn't a bad rush defense from Nebraska. It was just you guys, your offensive line has improved drastically since the beginning of the season you guys have a running game which is good to see so that that bodes well for wisconsin going forward um but like going through the rest of of college football it's just cincinnati got their style with their their style win which they needed they needed that win oh um and they played lights out that entire time desmond ritter looked like he is the draft pick that a lot of people are expecting him to be that defense played up against one of the best offenses in the american um and they're ranked four deservedly now because of it. Uh, and then the the other thing is, it's, I still don't know what's going to happen in the SEC. I still think that like Bama could be the first two lost team in because of just how everything's working out. But I mean, we still have the I Big Ten. Know. What the Big Ten? The Big Ten championship isn't decided at all because it could be Michigan. It it could be Michigan or Ohio state. And it could be one of three teams in the West, which I think we're all kind of used to by this point. We never know who's going to represent the West until the last week. Um, The sec uh, is kind of settled the big 12. We don't know what that could look like right now. Um, And the ACC hasn't been decided yet either. Has it? No, no. No, So like with Clemson beating wake for, and we're going to get into this before we do our picks. So uh, get like into where all the standings are for the major conferences, yeah. but the uh, after after Clemson beat Wake Forest, that fucked up the ACC really bad. But the only thing that we is decided is the Pac-12. We know that Utah and Oregon are going to play each other again in the Pac-12 yeah. championship. That's it, yeah. and and that's another. So I'm going to take that right there, and I'm going to transition into the one game that I want to talk about, which is yeah. Oregon Utah. I yeah. called this game last week. I said, I fucking believe in my Utes. I believe in what Utah is doing out there. And they fucking showed out. My Utah Utes showed out, annihilating Oregon. Now, what I'm worried about is that in that same thing, I said, this seems like a Pac-12 game where the winner of the first game doesn't end up winning the Pac-12 championship. So maybe I'm going to have to eat my own ass there. But I hope I don't. I hope I don't. Can you put on OnlyFans? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fourth string sports OnlyFans. But God, no. what the Utah Utes <laughs> did was astonishing. We need the cash flow, They had a 28 to nothing lead going into the half, and they did it running the ball. When was the last time we talked about a Pac-12 team not named Stanford who was running the ball really fucking well? Utah. Right? Utah. The fucking Utes, 18 passes out of, out of uh, rising total, 50 carries. Uh, they had their their star halfback, Tavion Thomas, played absolutely fantastic. 21 carries, 94 yards, three touchdowns. Oh, but also they had Brant Kuther receiver, five catches, 188 yards. Uh, defensively, they held Oregon to 63 total rushing yards. Now take quarterback rushing yards and everything, you know, into account there or whatever. But an Oregon team that walked into the season wanting to run the ball, but has been forced lately to throw it, Utah stopped them at both. Utah Utah held Brown to 17 of 35, 231 yards and one touchdown. Like, they just, they held Oregon all night. Utah destroyed them. Guys, watch out for the Utes. Like, I know they're climbing up on the rankings right now, but this is a criminally underrated team. Now, again, 
it's the Pac-12, so they're probably going to get annihilated in the Pac-12 championship game, or they're just going to lose by like 50 points next week. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the Utes. That was a hell of a performance out of Utah. Um, so let's take that and let's seamlessly transition into our college football awards. Seamless. Seamless. If I say it's seamless, then it's seamless. So we are going to be starting out with the uh, best quarterback um, in college football. That is the Davey O'Brien Award. Uh, the uh, finalists are Kenny Pickett, the two-glove quarterback out of Pittsburgh, C.J. Stroud, the youngin from Ohio State, Bryce Young, the youngin from Alabama, and uh, – yeah, sorry, and that's it. Um, so uh, who wants to kick us off? I can kick it off. Cool. So for Davey O'Brien, I'm going to go with uh, two-glove Kenny. Um, looking at, like, his statistics, he has more yards than uh, both Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. He's got 36 touchdowns and six picks. Um, he's the second in the country with 20-plus uh, yard completions, the second-highest graded quarterback uh, this season by PFF, and he's the uh, most accurate uh, deep passer in college football. And just what he's been able to do for a program like Pittsburgh um, to really bring him into prominence this season. So I'm going to give it to Two Glove Kenny. Oh, I'm going to go with Bryce Young. Um, we look at that. I mean, yards isn't like he's sixth in yards with um, with 35. Uh, um, but he's also second in touchdowns with 38. He is tied for eighth fewest interceptions with only three, and he's second in QBR, according to ESPN. So those are all things that he's doing well. He's score. He is. He's he. The yards don't need to matter because he's scoring at a volume. I mean, in 11 games, he's that's at least three touchdowns a game that he's averaging right now. He's averaging less, like like not even point five of a pick like a half a pick a game. He's doing great. And the fact that he's efficient in his QBR, you're able to see it, what he's able to do. He's a big reason of why Bama has been able to, to eke out some of those closer games. Uh, you can talk about his freshman experience and experience with Texas A&M, but he's risen to the occasion of what he, he, he defied my expectations of what he was going to be this season. Um, this is a really close race. Any of them could win it, but I, I, I'm going to go with Bryce Young. Um, I love to glove Kenny and I, Part of me wants to say CJ Stroud because a, then we all have somebody different. Uh, but B, <laughs> uh, because it just, uh, it, it continues the redemption arc for CJ Stroud. The one that so many people, not me, not me, but so many people already put Ohio state in the ground after a couple of weeks. And the fact that there's still Ohio state is great. Uh, but I'm going to agree with Skylar and I'm going to go with Bryce Young um, walking into the season here. The three of us had very different ideas about where this Alabama football team was going to be at the end of the year. And, uh, and two of the gentlemen on this podcast, Skyler a little bit less so, but two of the gentlemen on the podcast were somewhat anti Bryce young. And this kid has played fucking fantastic 38 touchdowns, three interceptions in uh, at home. He or sorry on the road, 14 touchdowns, one total interception. He has dominated against great teams. This Arkansas team, number 21 in the nation, 31 of 40, 559 yards, and five touchdown passes. He is a dominant force. He doesn't make mistakes. He, you know, he's just played so well. And for an Alabama team that consistently loses talent and granted replaces it with five-star talent, 
the fact that Bryce Young has sort of flown under the radar when it comes to the quarterback conversation in college football right now is astounding to me. Uh, but even, I mean, Bryce Young to me wins this award hands down. I, I got to go Bryce Young. But I love Two Glove Kenny. Um, if I yeah, if, I if, got if, to he... choo- if I got to choose off his of style points, it'd be Two Glove Kenny. Two Glove Kenny, yeah. But, but if I'm giving the award out, I'm going to give it to Bryce Young. So now we're going to move on here to the uh, the Doak Walker Award, uh, the nation's premier running back. Uh, the options here are, and Mitch, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Tyler Beatty out of Missouri. Mm-hmm. Okay, Tyler, because, sorry, on ESPN, that's a little weird. Tyler yeah. Beatty out of Missouri, Brees Hall from Iowa State, and Kenneth yep. Walker the third from Michigan State. Yep. Um, I'll kick this one off uh, because it's super fucking easy. Kenneth Walker Brees wins Hall. this award. Oh. Kenneth Walker wins this award. <laughs> Kenneth Walker wins this award. Kenneth Walker wins this award. He has been the nation's most dominant halfback. And unfortunately, that performance against Ohio State doesn't help him. And I think that's one reason why he might not win the award. But these boys just rattled on about how good the Michigan defense was. And I'm sure they're going to talk about it more uh, when, we, when we highlight the Ohio State-Michigan matchup. Uh, Kenneth Walker destroyed them. Uh, Kenneth Walker has just been a force offensively. Doak, uh, Doak Walker Award easily goes to Kenneth Walker. All right, I'll go. Uh, I think it should go to Braylon Allen, um, even though he's not. No. Um, yeah, Kenneth Walker. I mean, the dude has That's... almost 1,500 rushing yards, 17 touchdowns, averaging basically six and a half uh, yards to carry. The dude's been dominant, just coming out of nowhere, uh, giving us great performances, especially in the beginning of the season. Um, I don't think the Ohio State game will hurt him when it comes to Doak Walker. But I think it killed any uh, chance of him winning the Heisman. Yeah. Uh, Brady, where are you finding this on ESPN? I'm on. I am on the uh, ESPN press room. Uh, finalists announced for ESPN's 31st annual Home Depot College Football Awards. Okay. Press room, call it. Okay, because I just lost my article. So one sec. Um, but this one's easy. It's dope. It it it's uh. Doak Walker wins the Doak Walker. It's fucking Kenneth Walker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Walker wins the Walker. Um, it's like the guy has been explo- explosive. He had two bad games the entire season, and but he performed. He helped them beat Michigan when they had Michigan at home. He has consistently been something that has been a surprise for this team. Um, and he's been doing it with not the best offensive line, and you can kind of see it in those games in which he, they struggled against Ohio State, against Nebraska. Um, it wasn't as much of Kenneth Walker not being able to find the holes and be able to run the ball it was the fact that they were there was no offensive line help um and so and he did it without the best quarterback in the world um he's with with thorn like this this is this is a guy that deserves it i love Brees hall i love everybody else that is on this list um but kenneth walker's been the best running back in college football since like week four um and hasn't looked back since then so yeah Awesome. Awesome. Um, Skyler, do you have the list pulled up? Do you want to kick us off for the wide receiver? The, uh, uh, the Got it. I, I have it right here. Give me a uh, second. The final, just while he's pulling that up, the finalists are Jordan Addison, the all-star uh, wide receiver out of Pittsburgh, David Bell, the number, uh, the top three ranked team killer uh, wide receiver out of Purdue and Jamison Williams, another fantastic wide receiver out of Alabama. Oh, this is a hard one. Um, I want to go with Jordan Addison. Um, I mean, 
74 receptions at 12,000 yards or 1,200 yards. God damn it. 1,200 12, yards. 12,000 yards. 12,000 <laughs> yards, right? Uh, 1,200 yards, uh, 15 touchdowns. But he's the thing that, that is the best is 17 yards per catch. That's that's great. That's something that you need. Um, my second would be David Bell because he's been doing it without a quarterback that's like, you know, right? He's the only one that doesn't have a quarterback that's also on the uh, – O'Brien award list uh, yeah. because Brees Hall and Kenny, and Kenny Pickett, but I, I just like what this guy has. He's, he's not the tallest wide receiver in, in the world, um, but he's able to like only standing at six foot. Like he, he's big, well, but he's Snyder, not. I mean, Brees Hall isn't, he doesn't have a quarterback. That's... He meant Bryce Young. I meant Bryce Young. Bryce oh, Young. Okay. I was yeah, so yeah, sorry. confused. I, was... I, my brain is not working right now. Bryce Young is that bad that Brees Hall has to play quarterback for this. <laughs> yeah, no. No, it is. It is literally. I'm done with school. My brain is shut off. Um, but Jordan Addison. I mean, he's not. He's not tall. He's not like. He's six foot, 175 pounds. Like he's not like this big, huge guy that's gonna go up and get ball and and, and grab the ball. He is. He is doing great things with it, getting at 17 yards per catch. Um, because he's fast. He he can get. He can uh, elude defenders. I and mean, he is kind of that. What the wide receivers are starting to look like um, in this, in this new world. Whereas David Bell, I, I love him. He's still that big guy, get up the catch, um, get the catch. And he might win it just because he doesn't have a quarterback that is big name. And he's performed well against Ohio state and uh, other guys, but th- I, I like, I like Addison more. Uh, I'm going to go with Jamison Williams. Um, I-, I love this kid out of Alabama. We want to talk about statistics. Jamison Williams. Uh, Williams, I apologize, uh, has 1,218 yards on the season, but he's done it on 15 fewer catches than Jordan Addison and 28 fewer catches than David Bell. On top of that, he's got 13 touchdowns on the year, uh, only two behind Jordan Addison, and he's averaging 20.6 yards per reception. Um, basically that's 21. Basically 21. Like, it's, it's insane what this guy has done, and now, granted, you know, he, he plays in an Alabama system that is much more air raid than it has been in previous years. So take it for what it's worth. And he's got Bryce Young, you know, but this kid with some great performances by other wide receivers, this kid is a game changer. What Jamison Williams brings to the table is, is astounding for Alabama. And the fact that he's doing it as a junior, um, he didn't play that much his first two seasons. Uh, walking into the season, he had 15 total catches for 166 total yards and three touchdowns. He has come out, come onto the scene his junior year here. And I think that that come this, this, uh, uh, yeah, that this, that stop it. How many more times can you say it, Brady? That come, 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 come. That uh, when this SEC championship game rolls around and Alabama inevitably ends up in the college football playoff again, um, he's going to be a game changer. He's going to be a real force. I'm going to give it to Jamison Williams. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Jameson Williams as well um, for all the reasons you know, that Brady said. He's got the amazing statistics. Um, he's fourth in uh, yak yards in the country. Um, and it's just amazing that, uh, you know, this guy's a transfer from Ohio State. So he can get the production at Ohio State, kind of like Joe Burrow, and then he comes to this SEC team, and then he just lights it up. So, you know, if Jamison Williams stays at Ohio State, they could have four – 1,000 yard receivers just because how dominant it's been. Um, but yeah, I think he wins it. Um, he's just been to me um, a really good wide receiver. Um, 
But I would say I'm a little sad that Drake London didn't make it because before he got hurt, he was dominating people. Yeah, I feel that. Um, so I'm going to kick us off here with the Outland Trophy, the nation's most outstanding interior lineman. Um, I'm a huge fan of the big uglies. Uh, Mitch, you know, used to be a big ugly. Um, I was used to far too pretty to be a big ugly. I'm going through my Jack Harlow transformation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Skyler, he's going to go up. A, anyway. out here, I'm out here. That was a good dinner. one. That was a good one. That was a good one. So um, the uh, the nation's most outstanding interior lineman, the uh, finalist, Jordan Davis from Georgia, um, E. Cam McWonu from North Carolina State, and Tyler Lindbaum from Iowa. Uh, I'm going to kick us off here. I'm going to go with uh, E. Cam McWonu. Um, I have fallen in love with this kid out of North Carolina state, everything you want out of a player, he's got it. He's been a huge reason that the Wolfpack have been competitive this season. Um, the fact that he has the, this dude is, he can play in probably any position on the offensive line. Um, he's listed as a tackle. Uh, he's only a sophomore. Uh, he's listed as a tackle, but this, this kid can play really anywhere. And I apologize. I'm just trying to pull up his, uh, stuff here one second uh six four 320 pounds he can play tackle in the nfl he can play guard in the nfl he can play center in the nfl he he's just been absolutely phenomenal and a huge reason that north carolina state is such a predominant uh, offense and you know what unlike jordan davis he's doing it without five-star offensive or uh yeah offensive linemen around him he's doing it without a five-star back behind him he has been an anchor for north carolina state i love what this dude has, uh, has played with um, I'm taking E. Cam McWonu for uh, my award winner. I'm going to go with Jordan Davis uh, from Georgia. Uh, the dude's been a big component of why the Georgia's defense has been so dominant this year. He's only been getting better each year that he's been at Georgia. Um, and he's even looking like the fridge uh, scoring touchdowns last week. Um, this dude's the best defensive tackle in the nation. I think he's going to go, he's going to be a first round pick of the first defensive. Uh, tackle off the board this upcoming draft. I'm going to give it to him. Yeah, I I'm, I, want to go with Jordan Davis as well. I mean, there's a reason why people have him. Like, if you look at his stats, the stats aren't – they don't jump off the page, like, at all. Um, but he, he, he is the most dominant interior defensive lineman probably right now in college football. Um, the way that he is able to just eat up uh, double teams, the way that he is able to uh, – just be a force in that middle. We saw what was happening every time that we've seen them try a team to try to run against this Georgia front line. They can't do it because Jordan Davis is right there. He might not get him, but he'll, he'll take two blockers out with him. So one of their really experienced linebackers can get them, get there. Um, he, he is a surprise of this so good defense. Um, and he should be one of the uh, top 32 picks in the draft this next year. Alrighty, so let's uh, move on to the uh, Dick Butkus Award for the nation's premier linebacker. <laughs> uh, six finalists for this one: Darian Beavers out of Cincinnati, Leo oh Chanel my God. from uh, from Wisconsin, uh, Damon Clark from LSU, Nicobe Dean from Georgia, Devin Lloyd from Utah, and Chad Mumma from Wyoming. Uh, Mitch, why don't you kick us off? Who do you think is going to win the Butkus? I'm going to go with uh, Chanel number five, Leo Chanel. Um, of the course. dude's been outstanding this year. 73 tackles, six and a half sacks, two forced fumbles. Um, the dude can do anything that Jim Leonard asked him. Rush the passer, playing space, pass coverage, anything. He's been the second 
he's the, currently the second highest graded uh, PFF uh, linebacker, um, but he's been number one, number two, like all season. Um, and it's just cool that he writes death row on his arm and plays like it. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, Leo Chanel. And he's just a really cool guy. <laughs> Where the fuck is the Budkiss Awards? It's not on that list. You have to look at it separately. Ah, okay. Yeah. All right. Um. Um. I'll go here. Um. I. I yeah. Go ahead. I 100% agree with Mitch. It's Leo Chanel. Um. Now again, this is absolute Wisconsin bias, and I'm going to fess up to it. Um. I have not watched all of these guys play. I've heard some really great things about Chad Moma out of Wyoming. Really like what that kid has done. Um. I haven't had a chance to watch much Mountain West football, but I've got a lot of that shit recorded. Um, and Darian Beavers has been a force at Cincinnati. Don't get me wrong, but Leo Chanel has just been a game wrecker. The reason that Wisconsin was able to start the win streak that they're on right now was performances by that defense led by Leo Chanel. As long as Leo Chanel is out there, the Wisconsin defense is going to get pressure. They're going to get stops defensively. Um, they're going to get some turnovers now. Uh, so to me, yeah, it's Leo Chanel. He's been a game wrecker. Um, I, and I, he's shown that he can go mano a mano with the best of them. He lined up over Tyler Lindbaum and he was winning those matchups. He's, he's gone against some really solid offensive lines throughout the big 10. Um, and, and, and even with uh, their matchup against Notre Dame and he's played absolutely fantastic. So yeah, I'm going, I'm going with, or no, he didn't play in that matchup against Notre Dame, did he? No, cause of COVID. Cause of COVID. So I apologize. I'll take that one back, but I'm going with Leo Chanel for my award winner. Just agree with us, Skyler. No. You can, um, just, say, you can just say, I agree. He's going to pick the Wyoming guy because of Logan Wilson. I'm, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick – I'm going to pick him for a bunch of different reasons. Uh, one, his last name is – or his name is Chad Muma. Like, that's a fucking great name. I love it. Um, he's also – and I don't want to give back-to-back Georgia awards. I, if we're talking about, <laughs> if we're talking about, you know, uh, PFF ranks, he's the second ranked linebacker according to PFF in college football. Um, he also is ta- is second in solo tackles this year with 75. So we talk about being a force in the middle for a defense. We talk about just like being that catalyst, what you need as a linebacker, stopping the run, being that second layer line of defense, keeping people from getting past you. That's what this guy is doing. He's got 75 tackles. Uh, he is that, that, that is like 75 solo tackles, 120 tackles total, three interceptions at the linebacker position. Um, he is a coverage linebacker through and through. He's not a pass rushing linebacker. We don't like, they don't get as much hype um, unless they're like a hybrid, like a Jojo Doman or a, a Jerem- Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. So like usually get these linebackers are the ones that get after the quarterback. I, I think that Chad Muma is, is what is going to be the next evolution of a linebacker, which is that safety linebacker hybrid, which it, Wyoming has had a couple of like Logan Wilson. So this is a, this is a good guy to and he brought uh, back. got it. And I brought it back around. Um, and so I, he, he should get the award. Uh, but all six of these guys deserve it, and I just didn't want to give it to Wisconsin. So, Dick. Um, no, that's the that's the butt kiss. Tyler, why don't you why don't you uh, kick us off with the uh, best defensive back award? Uh, that is the uh, Jim, the Paycom Jim Thorpe Award. Fucking jerk offs uh, for nation's best defensive back. Uh, the 
finalists are Kobe Bryant, uh, not not that Kobe Bryant, not that um, Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant from Cincinnati, <laughs> uh, Verone McKinley the third from Oregon, and Jalen Petre from Baylor. I just have to pull up the stats because I can't remember them all right off the top of my head, but I I, I think it's Kobe Bryant. Um, this guy has probably been one of the most uh, one of the most just. <laughs> dynamic defensive backs in college football the last two years not just this last year but 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 both years um he he's done great things if we're looking at what a defensive back should do um 27 solo tackles he's four he's got two forced fumbles at the defensive back position which is tied for 38th in the country so he he, he's willing to punch the ball like a like a peanut tillman um three interceptions uh 11 passes defended at that position. That's something that you need. He's a guy that isn't afraid to go after the ball. And when they do catch the ball, he's able to tackle them by himself. He doesn't need help with that 27 total tackles. And that's when they decide to throw it to him. We, we've seen like with Cam Taylor Brits, um, with Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant, Sauce Gardner, some of these guys that defenses have gone, or offenses have decided to stop throwing towards them. Um, it's really, my brain really isn't working right now. Um, and so, but when they do throw, he, do throw it to Kobe Bryant. He's able to either try to get, get towards the ball, deflect the ball, or he can get the guy down in space um, and not need help getting, getting there. So that, that is why Kobe Bryant deserves it. Brady. Um, Okay. So I am, I'm going to give a little bit of love uh, to Jordan Petre, the safety out of Baylor for a couple of reasons. A, they used to play safety. B, um, I hate Baylor, but I've really grown to appreciate what Dave Aranda has done with the Baylor Bears. Um, this senior kid, you know, coming, coming with Dave Aranda coming from Wisconsin, I remember some really dominant safety play that the Badgers had when he was there. And Jordan, and Jalen Petre is a true force of dominance. Um, two force fumbles, two interceptions, 45 solo tackles, which is the most of the uh, three finalists, 57 overall tackles. Um, He's got three fumble recoveries, two sacks. He's got uh, five passes defensed. He's the difference is, is that he's doing this in a pass happy big 12. He's not doing this against uh, American league competition, which is better, but still he hasn't played uh, uh, Oklahoma, right? Or sorry, those guys haven't played the likes of like Oklahoma or Oklahoma state teams that just love to pass the fucking ball. Um, and he's not dealing with uh, Pac-12 competition where nobody's very good out there anyway. Um, I've watched a couple of I've watched a couple of the Baylor games. I've been very impressed with the defense overall. But Jalen Petre has just been a force roaming in the background. He doesn't force many turnovers because, frankly, quarterbacks just don't have the ability to challenge him. Um, he's he's amazingly intelligent at the safety position. Uh, six foot, one hundred ninety-seven pounds. He's good size. He's everything I'd want out of a safety. I'm going with Jalen Petrie. I'm going to agree with Skyler and go with Kobe Bryant. Um, I'm kind of surprised Sauce Gardner didn't get the pick over uh, his teammate just because of how dominant he's been. Um, but I think Kobe Bryant's definitely deserving for everything, you know, for being QB or corner two. Um, he's definitely put up stats, like Skyler mm-hmm. said, 34 tackles, two force fumbles, three picks, 11 pass deflections. So any kind of turnover he can give you. Um, and he's a big – big reason why um you know Cincinnati is the number four uh team in the nation all righty so we'll move on here to our last award uh we have the uh just defensive player of the year award 
Uh, that's the yep. Chuck Bednarik Award. Uh, the finalists for that, Will Anderson Jr. from Alabama, Jordan Davis from Georgia, Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame, and Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon. Uh, Mitch, why don't you start us off? Uh, who would you give that award to? Um, I know he's not on the list, but I would have given it to Aiden Hutchinson. I don't know how he didn't make it. He's been a dominant Michigan. But uh, since he's not on the list, I'll go with Will Anderson. Uh, not a lot of people are talking about him. I don't know why. Maybe he's just being overshadowed by how good his quarterback and uh, the offense has just been doing. Um, but he's got 78 tackles. He's uh, tied for sacks in the nation with 13. And he's had the highest pressure rate in college with 19%. Um, so when he can't, you know, finish with the sack, at least he's going to, uh, you know, get the quarterback out of the pocket uh, and mess things up. Um, the dude's dominant. I wouldn't be surprised if next year he's like number one overall pick uh, worthy kind of guy. Um, so I think Will Anderson should win it out of the finalists. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Jordan Davis again. I think that again, he's the most dominant defensive player on the most dominant defensive team in, in college football right now. I mean, again, the, the stats don't jump off the page, but he, he, he's done good work in times when they've needed him to, I look at like, I, I agree that with Mitch that people should be talking a lot more about Will Anderson, but when I look at his stats, he's got four set. He had four sack, four of his, what 13 sacks came against Mississippi state himself, but he's only had like three or four, like three or four total against ranked opponents this season. So when he's going up against the best of the sec and the best of what they have to offer, he might get to the quarterback once, but he's not having those dominant performances. Um, from what he needs to do, which is get to the quarterback. And against Texas A&M, he didn't get to the quarterback at all. So in the game that they that was the closest that they lost, that that jeopardizes their jeopardizes their season and making the college football playoff, he doesn't show up. But we've seen that Jordan Davis continually continuously shows up and continuously anchors that rush defense for this team. So that's why Jordan Davis gets it. Kyle Hamilton, I love that they put him in there, but Aiden Hutchinson should have been this list. I agree with Mitch there. Um and uh uh on Thibodeau, if he played a full season, his stats would have been up there, but he and he's most likely the number one overall pick. Um, but statistically, I don't I he they haven't been as dominant on that defensive side of the ball as Georgia has or as Jordan Davis has been just in the presence that he has. So Jordan Davis. Uh yeah, I'm gonna agree with Skyler and give it to the uh, six foot six senior defensive lineman from North Carolina. This dude is a monster. Jordan Davis is an absolute monster. He's very Kenny Clark esque in the way that he plays. He can play. He's very. I, you know what? I'm. I'll even pay him. A, Kenny Clark is great. He's he's more Aaron Donald esque. He's like he's the best parts of Aaron Donald, but a little bit taller. And that's that's what you just love to see out of Jordan Davis. He is an amazingly incredible athlete. Their best games, uh, he's, he played fantastic against a rush-happy uh, Arkansas team. His best game, in my opinion, was that performance against Auburn. Um, he, he's just played absolutely fantastic. Georgia has been so dominant interior. Um, defensively has been so dominant in the interior and so effective with their pass rush. And a huge part of that is Jordan Davis and the command that he respects uh, by offensive lines. So... That is our uh, season awards here. Now we're just going to look ahead and uh, we're not going to cover all eight games just for the sake of time here, but uh, we will well, actually, we might, I don't know. Um, but we'll start off here with the, uh, what is this? What is your guys? Do you guys play for a trophy? Does heroes. Yeah. It's trophy? the heroes game. It's the heroes game. The heroes game as the, uh, I, well, actually wait, before we do that, let's, 
take a step back and let's take a look at the standings in the Power Five Conference as they stand right now. And then we'll be able to take a look at the matchups here. So uh, we're going to kick it off in the ACC. As the ACC stands right now, um, Pittsburgh has clinched their spot in. You're good. You're good. Keep going. Oh, okay. You're good. It just froze on my end. Uh, Pittsburgh has, has clinched their spot representing the Coastal Division. However, the Atlantic Division is still up for grabs. It's going to come down to the respective performances of Wake Forest and Clemson. Now, I know that there's a way that North Carolina State is still into it, but it doesn't make sense to me. Um, Clemson has to play uh, South Carolina. They have to win that game. Now, granted, that doesn't impact the uh, that doesn't impact the the conference standings. But what it really comes down to is Wake Forest playing Boston College. If Wake Forest wins, they face Pittsburgh in the ACC championship game. If they lose, Clemson gets into the ACC championship game once again. Now, the way that that could be affected would be North Carolina State's game against North Carolina because North Carolina State has the tiebreaker against Clemson by beating them head-to-head, and both of them would have two losses. So Clemson Clemson needs to win. That's, that's a, obviously a first thing, um, but they just need that for themselves. But they would need Wake Forest and North Carolina State to lose to get into the ACC championship game. North Carolina State needs to win and have Wake Forest lose. Wake Forest just needs to win. Um, so let's move on here to the Big 12. Uh, really quick. Uh, the Big 12 top two teams get in. That's going to be uh, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State play each other. They're one and two right now. Uh, Baylor is sitting on the outside looking in as of right now. Baylor, who did beat Oklahoma, would need Oklahoma to beat Oklahoma State to get into the championship game. Winner of Oklahoma, Oklahoma State gets in no matter what. Um, uh, and the loser would get in uh, to the championship game if Baylor lost their game against Texas Tech this week. Um, moving on to the big 10 where it's fucking crazy. Neither conference has been settled, uh, in the big 10 West, it's going to come down to two key matchups, Wisconsin versus Minnesota. Minnesota needs to win to get in as well as they would need Iowa to lose. So I was incorrect earlier when I was saying Minnesota needs to win and Iowa to lose. Iowa needs to win and Wisconsin to lose to get into the big 10 championship game. And Wisconsin just needs to beat Minnesota to make it to the uh, represent the West. In the East, it is a uh, winner of Ohio State, Michigan. That's just simple. Nobody else can catch them. Winner of that game gets into the Big Ten championship game. Ugh. All right. Pac-12. Uh, Pac-12 has uh, already been decided. Uh, Oregon will represent the North and uh, Utah will represent the uh, South. And then the SEC um if i am not mistaken has also already been decided um, yeah with uh, georgia bama alabama, georgia bama for sure mississippi state or mississippi can't catch alabama because uh, alabama beat them so now with that being said skyler why don't you kick us off looking ahead to the iowa versus nebraska matchup uh iowa coming off of a win against illinois nebraska coming off of a seven point loss to wisconsin so skyler who are you taking Line is Nebraska by one, so actually less. Than- oh, it moved back. It moved back because it because okay, so Martinez isn't playing because <laughs> of a shoulder because of his shoulder. Uh, but Spencer Petrus is also not playing. Um, don't know why. Uh, I think he's just so. Finished. Yeah, just been outplayed by Padilla. Okay, well then in that case, no, I'm I'm gonna stick with with my stuff. I'm gonna stick with Nebraska. I'm gonna stick with my my hopeful optimism that Nebraska. You know what? Because here's yeah, the thing. 
go. Here's the thing. All right, you know what? We're three and eight. We're not making a bowl game, but if we can beat Iowa, if we can fucking beat Iowa, and we always play Iowa close. That is like the one team that Scott Frost has always played close. We might have been blown out by other teams. We might have lost by double digits, which we haven't this season. The only team we've always played close is Iowa, and their kicker isn't that good this year. So. <laughs> I, I'm going to go with Nebraska. I like what the offense has been able to show the last couple of weeks, um, specifically with that offensive line, specifically with Ramir Johnson running the ball. I like what Ramir Johnson's been able to do. I like when uh, Logan Smothers came in against Michigan State. It, it, it's kind of the same thing that I had said with the passing game. I had said when we lost wandell robinson people are like what are we going to do with the passing game what are you going to do with the running game well it's going to open up well now that you don't have an adrian in there yes you're losing some like some there's some things that are being lost with it and how dynamic he is as a player but smothers makes good decisions he still can run the ball um and but but he he's got we've got nothing to lose we literally have nothing to lose in this game like the offensive coaches are already gone all of the analysts have filled their spots like we have nothing to lose, we might as well take Iowa out with us, because um, that is just the Nebraska way. So I'm going to go with Nebraska. Uh, I'm picking Iowa. Um, I, I Skyler, I believe me when I say that I, that I am genuinely rooting for Nebraska, and I will be. I know so you are happy if they win this game. Get ready um, for disappointment. Skyler, like, like Skyler used to not believe me because of how hard I am on Nebraska when they play Wisconsin. He used to not believe me when I would say that. 11 weeks out of the season, I root for Nebraska, but I, they've lost seven of the last eight games. They have now tied the record for most single possession losses in a season. Um, and I think that they're probably going to lose by seven points to Iowa and break that record. So I think Scott Frost is going to have a record breaking season. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but I don't think it's going to be a good record. Um <laughs> For a team that, I mean, Mitch Mitch had as his second best team coming out of the Big Ten West. For a team that I watched right, play there, the number one defense so well, it's so difficult for me to believe that Nebraska is not going to shoot themselves in the fucking foot in the middle of the third quarter or in the early parts of the fourth quarter and give Iowa the opportunity to get ahead in the game or solidify and lock down the lead. Iowa's been playing better. They're being led by Tyler Goodson, who's just been an absolute monster. They've gotten good production offensively and defensively and from the special teams. This is still a very good Iowa defense, and Nebraska just gave up 200 uh, yards rushing to a 17-year-old. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Iowa here. I'd love to see Nebraska win it. it like, this is a game where I'm like, no Taylor no, – uh, sorry, Jesus Christ. No uh, Martinez – Maybe, maybe Nebraska isn't going to run their entire offense based off of him, and they'll do intelligent things. But given how this season has gone, that's just a little bit too much of a leap for me. Um, so I'm taking, I'm taking the Hawkeyes. Yeah, I'm going to go with Iowa um, for a couple of reasons. One, um, you know, this is Logan Smothers' first start. He's coming a few times, so if we don't know what he looks like in a complete game, um, so it remains to be seen to be good or bad. Don't know yet. Um, but I mean, Scott Frost is 0 13 against top 25 teams. Iowa's ranked five 19 in one score games and they've never beat Iowa. Um, I just, I just really don't see it just for how this season has gone, which is really unfortunate. 
Alrighty, so Mitch, why don't you kick us off with uh, the Battle of the Big Ten West? What is, what is uh, a huge win in your in for Wisconsin here, number 14 ranked Badgers. Um, winners of seven in a row after a one and three start to the season, taking on the seven and four Minnesota Golden Gophers. Three weeks ago, Minnesota was in the driver's seat in the Big Ten West, but back to back losses to Illinois and Iowa put their, put their season in jeopardy. Now, this was after an opening season loss to Ohio State that counted against their conference record. Now, they ended last week with a uh, 35 to 14 win against really the most disappointing team in college football this season, uh, the Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, but uh, they are right in there for the battle. Again, Minnesota needs to win and for Nebraska to beat Iowa. And Wisconsin just needs to win. Mitch, Badgers, Gophers, Battle of Paul Bunyan's Axe, who you take? I'm going to go with the Badgers. Um, this is going to be your classic Big Ten, Big Ten uh, matchup. Wisconsin has the number two defense in the country. Minnesota, the number four defense. Um, so this is going to be, you know, a defensive show. Um I don't think it's going to be a lot of points, and they both like to run the ball. So it'll be fun to watch, but um, I think Wisconsin's just going to get it just because of how our defense has played, how they're able to get the turnovers and the pressure when they need it, and just how dominant Braylon Allen um, has been. Over 1,000 yards, 12 touchdowns, averaging almost eight yards per carry. Um, And this guy didn't even start the first couple of games. If he starts the first couple of games, he could be on par with Kenneth Walker. Um, statistically wise. So I'm going to go with Wisconsin uh, advancing to the big 10 championship game. I'm going to go with Wisconsin, Wisconsin. Also, I think that we've seen that the way that you beat Wisconsin is you have to beat them with big plays um, and you have to specifically, specifically through the passing game. That's what we saw was a, Nebraska was able to do against Wisconsin multiple times. I mean, you had what three or four different catches by Samore Toure of over 40 yards in that one game. Minnesota doesn't have somebody like that in order to do it. Whereas Wisconsin's Wisconsin has found their groove offensively. They've settled down. Um, uh, fucking God, Mertz, uh, Grant Mertz. They've settled him down. He's been playing very well the last couple of games. Uh, Allen has emerged as the leading back right now. Over a thousand yards. Didn't start a couple of games. Wasn't playing in a couple of games. Um, and has been doing amazing. Probably the best seventeen-year-old running back that has ever played in college football. Um. And it's not just Nebraska. This is you doing it against everyone, okay? Yeah, not just it, Nebraska. It, it was nice to see a Wisconsin boy run for 200 on Nebraska. I thought it was funny as fuck that Melvin Gordon was the honorary captain of that game. Yeah, and then Braylon- this, it wasn't a record-breaking 500 <laughs> yards rushing. I That's all be, that matters. I would like to know what the most yards in a game is for a 17-year-old in college football, and I'm fairly confident that might break the record. So. <laughs> So I apologize, Skyler. We're ragging on you. Yeah, you can't. I'm I can't sorry. have my small wins. I can't have my small wins. Okay, um, but yeah, no. I, 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 Minnesota, like offensively, they're very similar to Wisconsin in that the fact that they want to run their ball. Tanner Morgan isn't making any explosive plays through the year. He has just as many touchdowns as uh, Graham Mertz does through the air, and probably will have as many interceptions as him by the time this game is done. Um, Autumn Bell is is a great wide receiver, but he hasn't been explosive. Only 400 yards. It's 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 kind of a you guys see where this is going to go. And they're um, on the, like four string running back. And they're on their, and they they don't have a running back. They don't have any consistent running game. Um. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Wisconsin. Guys, I I ha- I really am fighting the urge. If I have to my whole after I picked Nebraska, I've picked Nebraska three weeks in a row. I know. Have and it's some been faith so in your team. Unlucky for you. I picked against them five weeks before then. 
<laughs> All right. I'm going to pick the Badgers, but goddamn, if Minnesota wins this game, I'm going to cry. Um, what this game comes down to me is two key things. Graham Mertz in this in the uh, seven-game win streak, seven touchdowns, three interceptions through the air. He's also added two rushing, I think two rushing touchdowns in that, in that time frame. He's cut down turnovers. He's increased touchdowns. He's been more effective. Um, Braylon Allen has been fantastic. But the other thing that the other things that stand out to me is the offensive and defensive line play of these two teams. Wisconsin gives up 64 rushing yards per game. Minnesota of their 368 total yards per game, 200 come through the running game. They want to run the ball. They want to run the ball effectively. The Minnesota offensive line has given up 17 sacks. Wisconsin's given up 11. Wisconsin's gotten 29 sacks on the season. Minnesota's only gotten 20. The Wisconsin offensive line has played better through the pass rush um, and through running the ball than Minnesota has. And the Wisconsin defense has played better at forcing sacks against a weaker Minnesota offensive line. If Wisconsin can stop the run game, get Tanner Morgan into bad, some bad situations, keep Graham Mertz as the game manager that he's been so effective at being in this seven game win streak, Wisconsin will be fine. I'm going to take the Badgers, but this is going to be, this is going to be a, a heart pounding game. Um, and then I have to root for Michigan because we're going to get annihilated by Ohio state if we win that game. So let's move on here to the iron bowl, where we're going to be talking about Alabama taking on Auburn number three, Alabama walking into Jordan O'Hare stadium to take on the six and five Auburn tigers, um, a tale of two different quarterbacks, right? Uh, Bo Nix, uh, 11 touchdowns, three interceptions, uh, uh, Bryce Young, 38 touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, Alabama, uh, again, has already locked up a spot in the SEC championship game. Auburn has locked up a spot to play for a bowl game, and that's really about it. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll kick off here. This is easy for me. I'm taking Alabama. Now I'm choosing to ignore that this is like a huge rivalry game in college football because Alabama should absolutely win this game. Um, Alabama is better offensively. They're better defensively. They put up more points. They give up fewer points. Reese Young is more consistent than Bo Nix is. Um, Bo Nix is out. Yeah, Bo Nix is out. I forgot about that. Bo Nix is out. Yeah, he's been shut down for a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Cool. So now yeah. I feel now I feel even more yeah. even more <laughs> secure. Um, no Bo Nix magic. Yeah, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. T.J. Finley is the guy who's subbing in the six six foot seven sophomore. Holy crap! So I haven't watched enough of him, but uh, but no, I'm taking Alabama to win. He's the gonna Iron dunk Bowl. on them. Yeah, I'm taking Alabama to win the Iron Bowl. Mitch? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I forgot it was my turn. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Bama as well. Um, like I just said, there's no bow mix, so it's TJ Finley. I don't know a lot about him. And another big reason, um, Auburn's pass defense, 78th in the nation, and they're going against the likes of Bryce Young and Jameson Williams. Um, we already said their stats. They're all amazing, so it's an easy win for them. Yeah, I'm also going to go with Bama. I've stopped. It's done. It's over with. I, I, I can't anymore. Guys, I um, swear to God, if Auburn wins this week, I'm going to be so pissed. Skyler, you're going to get it next week when they play Georgia. <laughs> you, don't think, you don't think this is part of my diabolical plan, picking Bama? <laughs> Goddamn. Goddamn. <laughs> I'm kidding. Bama, I think Bama's got this. Um, the, Bryce Young has been everything that he's needed to be as a, as a quarterback. Um, uh, efficient. Uh, not turning the ball over um, and their passing game has 
been amazing because of it. Their defense is right up there. I mean, you have for the best defensive and best offensive player, you have a nom the nominee for both. Um, that's awesome. That's exactly what you want. If you're Nick Saban. Um, the only thing is it is a rivalry game. It is at Auburn, and there is no chance of, you know, the Bo Nicks magic and or like fucking up um it's very much Mark a canadian Mar- it's like a martinez thing it's like well he's not playing so you know nebraska could be much better or they could be much worse yeah, it's right. the same thing auburn could be much better or they could be much worse i'm gonna go on the side of much worse i don't think because Ni- bonix can move around the pocket he is explosive he's had those uh, magical moments like against lsu um but i also think that bama's not going to let up a lot of run and that's what they that's what auburn wants to do they want to run the ball and auburn and bama's not going to let him do it so bama Alrighty, so Mitch, why don't you kick us off here with our title bout for the Big Ten East as the number two ranked Ohio State Buckeyes, ten and one on the year, walk into the big house to take on the number five ranked ten and one Michigan Wolverines. Ohio State coming off of a uh, fifty-six to seven win against Michigan State. Um, uh, Michigan coming off of a fifty-nine to eighteen win over Maryland. Buckeyes versus Wolverines, the rivalry, the game in college football. Michigan hasn't won since, uh, what was it, 2010, right? Something yeah. like that? I don't even remember. Um, and obviously, John Harbaugh has never beaten uh, Ohio State, or Jim Harbaugh, whichever. Yeah, Jim. Yeah, right. Um, so, who are you taking, Buckeyes, Wolverines? I think this is the year that Michigan gets it done. Um, I, I did a deep uh, stat check on this just to make sure of this pick. Um, but when you're looking at the stats um, – Michigan has the ninth best defense in the country. Um, well, they have the eighth best pass defense and they're 30th in the run, which is pretty solid. So they can counter those wide receivers and they can cut a uh, Trivion Henderson in the run game. Um, and they just have, to me, they have the best passer rushing duo and Aiden Hutchinson and uh, David uh, shoot, forgot his last name, um, but they've been a really dominant pass rushing duo. Um, and this offense, I think, has gotten uh, – it's really legit with their running game. Between Hassan Haskins and uh, Blake Corum, they're a really uh, deadly duo. David um, Ojabo. Yeah, David Ojabo. Um, those two have been really dominant. Um, and when you're looking at – when it comes to red zone, um, uh, Ohio State's 11th and Michigan's 10th. When it comes to the red zone defense, Ohio State's 71. Uh, Michigan's 63rd, and they're about even when it comes to takeaways and stuff. So I think this is the best chance that Jim Harbaugh has, and I think he's going to do it. And it's at uh, Michigan in the big house. So they got the home crowd advantage for them. Um, but if Jim Harbaugh loses, I think he should be fired after this game because, like I said, this is the best chance he's had, I think, since he's been there. I hate the fact that it's just like, okay, you're done if you can't be your rival. I hate that. Like the fact that he's not the, that he's the fifth ranked team in the, in the country, like none of that matters because he just doesn't beat Ohio state. Like I, like there's other reasons to fire Jim Harbaugh, but not beating Ohio state shouldn't be one of them. Um, with the, I'm yeah, going to go, they got to beat them though. The playoffs and stuff. I'm going to go with the conference. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, Oh shit. Um, you said you're going with Michigan? No, one sec. Give me, oh. give me five seconds. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm going to go with Michigan. Um, when we look at it, uh, Michigan just 
right now that their loss was against Michigan State. And that was just very explosive running game and mistakes that were made by Michigan. There were mistakes that were made on the road against Michigan State that is not going to happen again. We've seen how they've played the last five weeks, um, say, like past the Michigan State game. You, you, they're scoring upwards. Uh, their lowest scoring game was against Penn State with 21, and Penn State has a good defense. But they scored 33 against North, Northwestern, 33 against Michigan State, 29 against Indiana, Indiana uh, and 59 against Maryland, where it's – like this, like this is when you're looking at it. Ohio State doesn't have a top 50 defense. They don't at all. But Michigan has a top has a top 25 offense. They have the ninth ranked or the eighth ranked defense nationally. Ninth ranked, no, sorry, other way around. Ninth ranked, ninth ranked de- defense, eighth passing defense in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, they've totally changed how they're doing it. They're no longer just running the old man style uh, pass defense, which is what they used to. You don't want to run man against these guys. Like, I'm sorry. You don't have three capable defensive backs to go up against these three capable wide receivers. Um, they they are able to stuff the run. That we've seen what they've done. They they've they played against a top twenty five offense in Nebraska, and was able to hold them. Their defense was able to do good things against them. There are going to be mistakes that have been made against C.J. Stroud. We've seen what happened when C.J. Stroud is in games against good defenses. He makes mistakes. He threw of his five interceptions, two of them came against Nebraska. Two of them. He had one against Oregon. He had uh, uh, one against Penn. I think he had one against Penn State too. Like these are these good defenses that he's facing. He makes mistakes because they can get they get to him. Okay, and they happen to have one of the best pass rushers in that in college football, Aiden Hutchinson on the other side. Um, that's that we've seen when you get pressure on CJ Stroud, when you get pressure in this face of, of him, he makes mistakes. And I think I agree with Mitch. This is the best chance John Harbaugh has had this entire year, entire his entire tenure. I, I got to go with, I got to go with Michigan and I got to believe that it's going to happen. Cause I really do want it to happen. Yeah. Guys, I'm going to call deja vu. We've seen this story before. We have. We have. 2018. But it was. Let's let's, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let's hop in our little time machine and let's boogie on back to 2018, right? No COVID, right? Pre match. Tom Brady is still in New England. Like it's a different time, right? We won the Super Bowl that year. (laughs) A one loss Michigan team walks into a huge matchup against a one-loss Ohio State team. Now, granted, this matchup was played at the shoe, but both these teams walk in, one loss apiece. Winner goes to the Big Ten East. Great young quarterback in Dwayne Haskins taking on a Michigan team that loves to run the ball behind guys like Karan Higdon. This is is Harbaugh's best chance to beat Ohio State. This is the year Michigan does it. And Ohio State kicks their fucking ass 62 to 39. I've seen this story before, you guys. 41 to 19 at the end of the third quarter. A great Michigan defense on a revenge tour goes into this matchup against a good young Ohio State quarterback who's had issues, right? Goes up against a matchup against an Ohio State team that has their issues offensively and defensively, right? Goes up against an Ohio State team that people had counted out after a loss to Purdue a couple weeks earlier. We've seen this story and Ohio state has creamed them. I got no reason to believe Ohio state won't. When I look at a lot of these matchups, when I look at the similar matchups between these teams, here's the sense that I get Ohio state beat uh, Penn state a lot better than Michigan did. And Ohio state annihilated a team 
that annihilated the Michigan defense. Kenneth Walker had five touchdowns in that game. We want to talk about how good Michigan has been running the ball. Hey, guess who's got more yards on fewer carries and more touchdowns? Uh, Trayvon Henderson for Ohio State does. All right, you take his uh, stats versus Haskins. Now, granted, Michigan runs a two-halfback system. Haskins stats are a little bit odd. But Henderson on 76 fewer carries has 35 more yards and another touchdown. This is an Ohio State defense. This has played better. This is an Ohio State offense that has scored a touchdown on each of their first six drives in, uh, in each of the last two games. When I just look at how Michigan played against Michigan State and take that for what it's worth, it was at Michigan State and the game that Ohio State played Michigan State uh, was in Ohio State, right? I don't think that a difference of 49-point win for Ohio State to a four-point loss for Michigan is dependent on where this game is being played. Ohio State is the better team offensively. And honestly, defensively, they haven't been that bad. A lot of times their defensive stats are being hurt because teams have to try to overload on yards to make up for a huge difference. I'm taking the Buckeyes to win this game. Hey, Brady. Yes. Quick question. Yes. Does this Ohio State defense have somebody like Nick Bosa on the defensive side? Uh, are you talking no. about like a pass rusher or like a just a, a solid defensive just, player? Just a defensive player like that. A solid defensive player. Um, I genuinely don't believe that Ronnie Hickman has played that bad, the safety. Um, I also don't believe that uh, – But worthy of being the second Haskell, overall Haskell, pick in the – No, worthy of being the second overall pick? No, I won't say that. But I will say Haskell Garrett has played really well. Okay, because this this is a team that not only had Nick Bosa, it also had Chase Young on the other side. Um, It also has... uh, Joey Bosa. Well, no, Joey Bosa had already left by then. Oh. Joey Bosa had had been picked the year before by the Chargers. Um, Oh, you're talking about that year. That year. You also had Tommy uh, Tommy, uh, Tagai in the middle of that defense. Um, you had uh, their the Jeff Akuda Jeff Akuda on the outside. Like this def- like I'm telling you right now, that defense, that defense they yeah. had against the Michigan defense, had yeah. like had three or four first round picks starting. Yeah, you're right. And this team doesn't. You're right. This team doesn't have four first round picks starting. I was they probably have four or five first round picks starting on offense right now. I'll give you that. Maybe even six. Um, starting on this offense between their wide receivers, between uh, uh, the, back, the quarterback, 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 and maybe not their, maybe not Henderson, but some of their offensive linemen definitely could be first round picks. Um, maybe not this year, but in following years. Whereas I look at this defense for Michigan, Aiden Hutchinson is a first round pick. Their offensive line and defensive line are sound. And I, I, I gotta say, most likely Ryan Day is the better coach. Ohio State probably could win it probably will win this game but if i'm saying right now that it's in the big house they don't have the defense they this is the most vulnerable Ohio state team we have seen right now and i think michigan is better than oregon i'm picking michigan and michigan has a better quarterback than they've had previously i think mcamara is better than uh the how many quarterbacks they've had since the old miss the old miss transfer that they were having start uh shea patterson yeah she's better than shea patterson he's better than and Brady's oh, looking at me. Yeah. Okay, okay, but and here's the answer. Here's the question Brady's going to ask us. But who is the coach for Michigan? And it's no, John Harbaugh. I, no, 
And no, that's not uh, everything you guys said are fair criticisms. Like that's that's ab that's absolutely fair. And there's not necessarily retorts to that um, because they're they, you're exactly correct. Uh, that Ohio State team from 2018 was a better defense. That Ohio State team from 2018 um, wasn't a better offense, though, um, than what we've seen out of. Yeah, it was. No, 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 no. Yeah, it no. was. Dwayne no. Haskins set the single season touchdown record uh, passing touchdowns. He broke Drew Brees' record. You didn't let me finish my sentence. It was not the better offense because this Ohio State team is much better at running the football than that Ohio State team was in 2018. That Ohio State team, the reason that they ended up uh, that Ohio State team in 2018 was extremely pass happy. This is an Ohio State team that has gotten comfortable running the ball. My biggest point to this game is that I've seen the Michigan run defense be very vulnerable. I've watched these two defenses play a similar opponent in Kenneth Walker. And the, the one against Michigan left a bad fucking taste in my mouth with that defense. And the one against Ohio State left me with six carries and 25 yards. So it's going to be left on the field. This is the rivalry game. Who knows who could fucking win? Michigan might finally pull it off. But we have to move on to Cincinnati at East Carolina University. Bearcats versus Pirates. Um, uh, Skyler, real, uh, real quick. Uh, you know what? Actually, for time. Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Okay. Cincinnati. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm taking Cincy also. Mitch, you have any objections to that? Yeah, Cincinnati stays perfect. Perfect. So then we have Bedlam. Ohio, or sorry, Ohio on the mind. Oklahoma, the 10th ranked Sooners, walking in to Oklahoma State, Boone Pickens Stadium against the 10 and 1. Uh, seventh ranked Cowboys uh, winner of this goes to the big 12 championship for sure. Loser of this still has a shot depending on the outcome of the game against uh, of Baylor's game. Um, so uh, da, 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 I'll go first here. Um, just from the order we're looking at, I'm going to pick the Cowboys to win the game. I'm going to take the underdog in this matchup here. Um, I like what Oklahoma state has put out on the field. Uh, only giving up 15 points per game defensively. They're a much better defense than what Oklahoma has to offer. This is an, an Oklahoma State team that's only given up uh, 82 rushing yards per game. They're a team that is extremely well-balanced offensively, 218 through the air, 195 on the ground. They've played really, really well. Um, they're getting solid performances out of uh, Sanders, the quarterback who's just been really efficient. Uh, but then that halfback, I've talked about him a couple of times, Jalen Warren, the senior, 22 carries, 1,078 yards, 10 touchdowns. He's played fantastic. I'm taking the Cowboys. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Oklahoma State as well. Um, you know, I would say this is probably one of the worst Oklahoma offenses that we've seen in a while in the uh, Lincoln Riley era. Uh, they're only 31st, and this is they're going against the third best defense in the nation. Um, and, you know, Oklahoma's not known for its defense. It's 74th, um, where, like Brady said, Oklahoma State has a really nice running back. Um, so I think Oklahoma State's going to win this game, and I'll give you a hot take. I think Oklahoma State um, will go on to win this game and then win the Big 12 championship into a college football playoff spot. He's taking a CFP playoff spot? Well, I mean, if they win this game and the conference championship game, uh, and then Bama loses to Georgia in the SEC championship game, Oklahoma State will have uh, – you know, more wins and they'll have beaten Oklahoma or uh, Baylor or Oklahoma in the championship game. Plus either Ohio state or Michigan, two teams that are ranked ahead of them are going to lose this week. So exactly. Yeah, you guys so, are getting Notre Dame's at six too. 
I can yeah, but they don't have the championship game, and I think that's yeah. But their only losses against Cincinnati, and they beat Wisconsin. Yeah, but Wisconsin State good. beats Oklahoma and Baylor. You're right. And wins its conference. I think that's a lot better than what Notre Dame has done this season. So you're I think right, that's, but but that's I'm saying awesome. I am saying there is still one team that one team that most Tyler, likely let won't him have lose. his hot take. Who are you picking? Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. Oklahoma State, their defense is way too good. Um, and their offense has a system that works for them. Oklahoma doesn't have a defense. Their offense will keep them in the game. I, I disagree with Mitch. I think Caleb Williams has brought good to this offense. I will say it is probably the weakest offense in the Lincoln Riley era, and it doesn't seem to be a quarterback position. I think it I honestly think it's the fact that Creed Humphrey isn't starting at center. Um, that is the only thing I can think of in the last four years that has changed and why this team is not good offensively. Creed Humphrey is not their single, is not their center. Um, so yeah, I'll go with Oklahoma state, but I don't know if they'll make the CFB. Alrighty. So then uh, we'll move on here. We're going to head South as the uh, undefeated 22 ranked 11 and O university of Texas, San Antonio Roadrunners travel to the alma mater of uh, Mean Joe Green uh, to take on the University of North Texas, Mean Green. Uh, real quick here, Mitch, who you take? I think that uh, UTSA stays perfect over North Texas. Um, they have a, the 35th ranked offense, Frank Karras, their quarterback, has put up uh, almost 2,700 yards, 23 touchdowns, and five picks. And North Texas has the 76th or 72nd uh defense in the nation. I think they stay perfect and cap off an amazing season. Yeah, I think UTSA is going to get the win here too. I think that they're probably going to lose their head coach, especially when you have Florida, LSU, and USC all needing job openings. And They just paid them a oh, couple just paid weeks them. ago. Yeah, I think like two weeks ago, they gave them like a huge uh, like contract. Like, Never mind. Good for him. They're going to win. Either, either way, it doesn't change the fact that I'm picking UTSA. Uh, yeah, I'm taking the Roadrunners. Um, I I've always liked the Roadrunners because I they're my go-to. They were my go-to Sunbelt <laughs> team to make in NCAA 14. Um, but if you haven't had the opportunity, watch Sincere McCormick. He is a fantastic half halfback for uh, the Roadrunners. Great player. Keep an eye out on him. So now we're gonna uh, finish up our picks with the Egg Bowl. We have Ole Miss taking on Mississippi State. Uh, where the fuck is that game? Oh my. Tomorrow. No, no, no. I'm, I'm trying to see. I was trying to get it pulled up here. Jesus. Uh, so Mike Leach and the Bulldogs will host number nine ranked uh, Lane Kiffin led uh, nine and two Ole Miss Rebels as they come into uh, Davis Wade Stadium. Uh, Skyler, why don't you just kick us off here? Who are you taking? Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Ole Miss. It's, I mean, I mean, they're Ole Miss is doing what Mississippi State wants to do offensively. They're throwing the ball very successfully, putting up a ton of big points. Mississippi State's played good. They've had their, you know, some signature wins, but again, it's not Ole Miss is just in a different league right now. So Ole Miss. Oh, I'm going to take Mississippi State. Um, and I'm going to do it just because of the headlines. So one, I hate Mike Leach as a coach, but I love Mike Leach's coaching personality. Um, and two, I just really hate Lane Kiffin. And with the reports of Lane Kiffin saying openly that if Miami or LSU were to offer him the job, he'd immediately ditch Ole Miss to do it. The storyline of him losing this matchup and then not getting offered one of those jobs would just, would just be 
perfection uh, for me. I'm going to take Mississippi State to win the Egg Bowl. It's at Davis Wade Stadium. This is a much better Mississippi State defense. And if I want to look at similar opponents, Ole Miss lost to Auburn. Mississippi State came down from a New England Patriots-esque 28-3 to win the game uh, against Auburn. I'm taking the Bulldogs. Yeah, I'm going with Mississippi State as well. That's a home game. Um, I think it's going to be a shootout just because of the nature of the quarterbacks. Obviously, Matt Corral's had an amazing season. So is Will Rogers, uh, the quarterback for Mississippi State. He has over 4,000 yards, 34 touchdowns, and eight picks. Um, and when it comes down to which defense is going to make a stop, uh, I trust uh, Mississippi State's 21st-ranked uh, defense other over uh, Ole Miss's 100th-ranked defense. All righty, so we'll uh... – now move on here to the NFL. Uh, our week in review uh, kicked off with the uh, Patriots winning on Thursday night, blanking the Falcons 25 to zero. Uh, and then just had tons of upsets and matchups. No Lamar Jackson, no problem for the Ravens as they beat the bears. Uh, John or touchdown Jonathan Taylor's version uh, happened five times against the bills. Vikings went on a last second field goal against the Packers. Uh, the Eagles uh, upset the Saints. The Panthers get upset by the uh, Washington football team. Excuse me. Uh, the Chiefs look like they're back on track with a huge win against the Cowboys. Uh, no Kyler Murray, no problem for the Cardinals. Uh, the Chargers win a shootout against the Steelers, and the Buccaneers uh, blank the Giants 30-10. to 10. So what kind of stood out last week in the NFL season for you guys? Uh, to me, it's the Colts-Bills game. Um... Uh, the Colts were my pick for a team that could sneak their way into the playoffs. And it's certainly looking like that, especially putting 41 points on the Buffalo Bills, who have been better in recent years. Um, Jonathan Taylor is looking amazing. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts to get into that MVP conversation just because of what he's been doing. Um, and I think this the, the Bills losing and what happened with the Titans this week against uh, Brady's Houston Texans, the AFC looks wide open. Like, I don't think there's a favorite at all. And I think this is like the perfect opportunity for like the Patriots just to win the, like be the best team in the AFC with the chaos. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, the one that stands out the most to me is, uh, is Cincinnati uh, or not Cincinnati, Las, uh, Las Vegas. It's uh, Houston, Tennessee. Um, I mean, this is the everything went didn't go the way that it was supposed to. I mean, Tannehill still still throws for 300 yards, but he doesn't get any kind of touchdowns. The rushing game for them, the, their leading rusher no longer is on the team for um, for the Tennessee. Um, and they the I mean, AJ Brown goes out with another injury, so it's just it's kind of back. And their defense like held field goals, but they just couldn't get stops like without points and that was kind of while well, their offense couldn't do anything with the ball like their defense gave a ample opportunity to score a touchdown get some kind of points on the board it didn't happen until later um it's kind of very upsetting honestly to see because tennessee is it, we we know is a better team but they've struggled against you this is like the third or fourth game in a row they've struggled without against houston and they didn't have a derrick henry to pull off a 98 yard rushing touchdown in order to win the game because that's what would happen houston would get get bogged down and and that and that, that would that would allow Derrick Henry to just be the, the stamina monster that he is he, he doesn't lose any of his of his stamina he doesn't lose any of his of his speed um but they don't have him this game and so they they drop it and and jeopardize their number one overall seed um 
and again, it's just there's so much parity in football right now. Um, it, I I kind of feel good, you know, saying that through the entire offseason. Like, I've never seen such parity in this ever, and it's it's proven. We don't know like there's no seed lock in the AFC, and and I mean we kind of know who one through five are, but again, Tampa. I mean, LA lost, Green Bay lost. Um, uh, fuck, Tampa Bay's been Dallas struggling. Lost struggling dallas lost like like the, the top seeds in the nfc aren't like they're not like faultless either they could fall and i mean especially when you have the philadelphia eagles and washington seeming to get their get their in the right spot um they're off washington's office has improved their defense is vastly improved from the beginning of the season philadelphia knocks off new orleans uh for the second time second year in a row with like with jalen hurts like again there's just I mean, we we could get when we get to week twelve or, or, or going forward. Like this is week twelve. We going forward by by Thanksgiving, you usually know who the favorites are. I don't know who the favorite could be to win even the fucking Super Bowl right now because it could be a number of different teams. Yeah, um, I'm just gonna start taking formal letters of apology uh, about the Kansas City Chiefs from people right now. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs, man they're looking good and they're looking in a a good in a way that uh, that we would not have expected just a couple of weeks ago after that 27 to three loss to Tennessee, the chiefs have given up 17 points, seven points, 14 points. And then they took on a Dallas Cowboys team that has played without Amari Cooper and without CD lamb. No, Tyron Smith. CD lamb played in that game, three catches, 14 yards. Um, yeah, but he no, but he no, he got injured and was out at halftime. You're right, he got hurt. Still held Dallas to nine points. Still a Dallas team that had Ezekiel Elliott, and Zeke was also hurt too. You're right, you're guys. You're, I'm not arguing with you about this, but this is still a Kansas City team that took Dak Prescott and forced him into two interceptions and five sacks. This is still a Kansas City team that, even given the fact that uh, Pat Mahomes didn't play that well. 23 of 37, 260 yards and interception. Guess who did? The Kansas City running game showed up as well. 26 carries, 126 yards, two rushing touchdowns. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had a great game um, getting effective uh, through the run game, also had a couple of catches. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey both played fantastic. The Chiefs defense, as I stated, had five sacks, including three and a half from Chandler Jones. They played great. Kansas City's played great defense the last four weeks. And just like that, a Kansas City team that not too long ago was on the outside looking in and at, at fourth in their own division is now number one in their division and is own, and is one game behind Tennessee for the one seed in the AFC. Like, people ragged on Kansas City way too early. Now, there's still a lot It was of- deserved. It was They're fucking trash. deserved. They needed you to be ragged on. Mahomes, you guys were Mahomes was leading the league in interceptions. No, I no, I never. In the water no, I didn't think that they were four. dead in the water. But they needed to improve. It and wasn't. It have. wasn't like a. It wasn't. Yeah, they, have, they did. No, Good no, for they them. definitely have. I'll totally agree with you. They have. But like, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pat them on the back for you know beating the Giants, the Jets, and uh, whoever the fuck that was in the last three games. Like, I'm You're not gonna do that for New England, right? No, New it's England the still same needs to prove shit. Because New no, England I was no, what, I, I agree. No, New England still needs to prove. But shit. Mac Jones isn't Patrick Mahomes. Uh, 
uh, Jacoby but, Myers but, is like, Tyree okay. Hill. But look, what I'm saying, what I'm saying but right now is that when we apples no, to oranges. No, no, no Brady. Bra- what I'm saying, Brady. I'm, what I'm saying is that okay. So for New England, we we they go. They've won five straight. Okay, yep. right? They've won five straight. They go from from two and four to seven and four atop the AFC East. That is great for them. Third seed, right there with Kansas City for the top. Right, like, yep. awesome. Okay, but what we're talking about is that we are talking about momentously a horrible defense by Kansas City, letting up 30 points per game, not getting any turnovers, not doing shit against teams that they should have been playing very good against defensively, right? Like, yeah. let's be honest, okay? Yeah. Then we then we go, then you look at uh, the uh, offensively, fucking Patrick Mahomes is turning the ball over at the highest rate he ever has, okay? So that is why they got dogged on. They have improved vastly from that. Patrick Mahomes isn't turning the ball over nearly as much. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire becoming ba- coming back is is gone is gone great for them. They have a running game now. The young that young uh, interior offensive line that that I was very concerned about is starting to show up. They were able to play well against the Packers, but that's again a Packers without Aaron Rodgers. They're able to play well against Dallas. Dallas has a lot of injuries. Those are caveats that we need to put in there because these are teams that when healthy have shown they've been really good. Kansas city is still a dangerous team. Still probably the best team in the AFC West. That is not, we're not going to back away from that. They have the best coach they're the best quarterback in the AFC West and are the most dangerous team right now. I will say that, but what I, what I am going to say is they deserve to be ragged on when they were three and four, they deserved it You're because right, this was not a good team to be dead in the water. No, I agree. I agree. They didn't, they I didn't, didn't think deserve they... for people to start going, man, something really bad is happening in Kansas City. Because you know what? Yeah, walking really because because after that game against Tennessee, yeah, they were averaging about 20, just under 30 points per game given up. Right now, they're under 23 points per game. You're right. And you know what? They did it without firing Steve Spagnola. They did it right. without making any major changes on defense. They just had well, they, they made a change. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They took they took Chris Jones out of that edge rusher and put him in the middle and look what he did five sacks. They put him at his most natural position. Yeah. It's the same with it's right, like with the, the lines with, of Penesa Well. You're you're right, but the issues with Kansas City weren't just with the pass rush. They were also that the secondary was terrible. They were also that they didn't have linebackers uh, and all of that stuff has improved. Here. By the way, real quick, breaking news: Mel Tucker signed his extension. Oh, okay. Cool. But um, but you look at that Kansas City team. Let's let's take a look at how that game started off. Kansas City walks down the field and scores a touchdown. Dallas's next drive, fumble. Kansas City walks down the field, gets a foot uh, field goal. Dallas's next drive, they uh, kick a field goal. Kansas City then walks down the field and scores a touchdown. And then for Dallas, before the half, before they lose CD Lamb, before they fully lose Ezekiel Elliott, punt, 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 interception. That's their right. last four drives before that half. Kansas City has been playing really good. And they have just as solid an opportunity with probably a ch- an easier schedule than any of these other teams um, in, in order to take that one seat. But I digress. Let's move on to our, uh, our picks here. So with it being Thanksgiving weekend, we have three football games uh, going on tomorrow. The uh, Chicago Bears travel to Detroit to take on the 0-9-1 Lions. So we'll start off with that game there. Uh, Chicago 3-7. and Coming off of another loss, uh, this one to Baltimore, a uh, Lamar Jackson was Baltimore team wins. Excuse me. Chicago is now uh, losers of five in a row, which is almost as bad as what Detroit has done this season. Now, granted, Detroit has technically only lost 
one game in a row. Uh, but that's because the game before that was a tie. But this is a winless Detroit team. Uh, Jared Goff, uh, to what I understand, is expected to play in this game. Uh, so he will be coming back. But Damian Williams and Akeem Hicks are both out for Chicago. So uh, I'll kick it off here. Uh, I'm going to take – oh, uh, no, last time it bit me in the ass. I'm going to take Chicago. Uh, I had a moment. I had a weakness. Uh, I'm going to take Chicago. Uh, they have been playing better. Andy Dalton gave this team a little bit of a spark. Um but just way too many issues offensively in that game against Baltimore, way too many issues defensively for me to feel comfortable with them. Detroit has played better, but they still just shoot themselves in the foot every opportunity they get. I'm going to take Andy Dalton and the Bears to win the game. I'm going to go with the Bears as well. Um, It doesn't matter that Justin Fields isn't playing, that Al Robinson's doubtful, that Akeem Hicks isn't there. Khalil Max out for the season, Eddie Jackson's questionable, all that kind of stuff. I still think the Bears are a better team. It just seems like it doesn't matter what the situation is for the Lions. Um, they just just can't pull it off no matter what. So I don't think Jared Goff coming back is going to really change anything. Um, so Bears. I'm also going to go with the Bears. Um, the thing that stands that to me is that the Bears are averaging 130 yards rushing per game. Detroit's av- averaging 140 yards rushing, giving up a game. So Chicago is going to like with fields or without fields, they're going to be able to run the ball. They have Montgomery. Montgomery is is getting back into what he needs to. Khalil Herbert is one of the best running backs and uh, best rookie running backs right now. Um, there's a lot of good things happening for Chicago offensively. Um, when when you that you can see Andy Dalton is throwing for yards. It's it's just being able to score, and you can't score on this secondary for for Detroit um, unless your name is Mason Rudolph. <laughs> All right, so Mitch, why don't you kick us off with our uh, second Thursday night Thanksgiving matchup as the 5-5 five and five Raiders head to Dallas to take on the 7-3 and three Cowboys. Uh, Raiders, losers of their last three games. Dallas, losers of two of their last three. Uh, who are you taking? I'm going to go with the Raiders. Um, I'm going to pick the Raiders. Pick? No, no, okay. it's not. I have a better one. Um, but I'm going to pick the Raiders over the Cowboys uh, for one simple statistic. The Cowboys, uh, now after this past Sunday, are 0-2 versus the AFC West. If you remember, they played the Broncos. Broncos handed them their ass. The can- They just played the Kansas City Chiefs. And as Brady would tell you, the Chiefs handed them their ass. I, I don't know what's up with the AFC West against Dallas, but I think the Raiders can continue with the trend. Um, I think they have the you know the personnel to do it. They have Darren Waller. They have Josh Jacobs. Um, they have Hunter Renfro and the, the defense inside. They have a guy like Max Crosby who's been an uh, amazing pass rusher, especially with uh, Ngakwe as his partner. Um, I think the, they have the personnel to get the upset, especially with the Cowboys spiraling, and they're going to probably be out their best wide receivers. Skyler, who are you taking? I'm going to go with Dallas. Um, even without Zeke. Or with Zeke being, you know, questionable, we don't know if it's going to be coming back. Amari Cooper out, but CeeDee Lamb is questionable. He might be a back end. Um, Tony Pollard is still one is still a good running back, and this offensive line still is able to do what they need to to run against this team. Uh, Las Vegas is averaging about uh, 132 yards rushing allowed, um, where Dallas is averaging about 133 yards rushing, and Dak Prescott is still on this team. Like he's still their quarterback. He's going to make good move, whether it's Cedric Wilson, whether it's uh, CD Lamb, whether it's uh, uh, Schultz, who has turned into a weapon for this team, whether it's Pollard or whoever, he will get the ball to someone and they will score points. Uh, 
Las Vegas' defense isn't what it needs to be. Um, and offensively, it's just been kind of a lull the last couple of weeks. They, they have all of their pieces. Their pieces are all healthy. I just don't know why it's not working for them. And it might be there is something to do with Gruden and how he does call plays and how he does attack the, the game that does make them score points. Uh, so maybe there was a positive to, it, to them, to him being their coach after all. Uh, but I am going to go with Dallas. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take the Cowboys also. Uh, this is a Raiders team that uh, defensively had looked really solid uh, it, it, through a lot of the first part of the season. But the last two games, they've given up 32 and 41 points, respectively. Um, they've been really vulnerable through the passing attack, but also Joe Mixon's performance uh, rushing against them last week was highly effective. C.D. Lamb is expected to play in this game. Um, I'm going to take the Cowboys to win this. Um, so, I will. So Skyler, why don't you kick us off here? Buffalo at New Orleans, the six and four Bills um, coming off of it's just kind of been a shaky season for the Bills. Uh, they're six and four, but they've lost three of their last five games. Uh, meanwhile, the Saints, losers of their last three in a row, still with Trevor Simeon playing, uh, starting. Uh, who are you taking? I'm actually going to take New Orleans, um, or not New Orleans, Buffalo. Sorry. I got stuck there for a second. The biggest one is Alvin Kamara's out again. Um, we saw that what the weakness of for this Buffalo team is, is it's running the ball. It's having a steady run game. And without Alvin Kamara, you don't have a steady run game for this team. Alvin Kamara is their offense. Trevor Simeon has been playing better than I think anybody really was going to give him credit for playing against Tennessee, against uh, Tampa Bay, against uh, uh, Philadelphia. He's, he's played good. But the problem is, is that they're missing that dynamic, like some dynamics from either a Taysom Hill or Alvin Kamara in a running game or even a Jameis Winston with his feet, what he can do. Simeon doesn't have that. Um, whereas Buffalo does have that and, and they can use the quarterback run game to their advantage. We saw what happened last week with Philadelphia. Um, Jalen Hurts was able to hurt them with his legs. Josh Allen is able to do the exact same thing. He is the Buffalo Buffalo's leading rusher, and this will actually help them this time instead of hurt them. So I'm going to go with Buffalo. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take the Bills also. Uh, no Alvin Kamara, no offense for the Saints. Um, and the Bills defense, I think they got something to prove after that game against uh, just – or. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, um, this was the number one rushing defense in the NFL walking into that game, and they got humiliated. Uh, the Saints, without really a premier halfback, I think I think Buffalo is going to be fine. I'm going to take the Bills to win this. Uh, so, Mitch, why don't you make your pick, and then you start us off with the next one, uh, Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. I'll be right back. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Buffalo as well. Um, you know, Elvin Kamara is out for the Saints, but there's some other key pieces, like Mark Ingram is questionable, so you really have no running game to go with your – non-existent pass game. M. Troutman, who looked like he was going to emerge as a tight end, is now injured. Ryan Ramchek, their best, uh, their second best tackle, is out. And Taron Armstead is questionable. So there's a lot of missing pieces. So I'm going to go with the Bills as well in a redemption. Um, for Bengals versus Steelers, I'm going to go with the Bengals. Um, I feel like the Steelers are on a skid. Um, you know, Big Ben hasn't looked right. The only positives, like I've said, for their offense has really been Najee Harris, who's been playing well, and uh, Pat Freer moved at tight end as well. Um, and I think the Bengals have been doing a really good job, especially, like I said, that Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase connection has just been really lethal this uh, year. And Joe Mixon is, you know, starting to show why he's one of the better running backs in the league. And I think it's going to be too much for the Steelers defense. So I'm going to go Cincinnati. Yeah, but what I mean, 
the only offense that Cincinnati or that Pittsburgh is able to get through right now is through the air. They're only averaging 90 yards rushing. So it's being able to use Najee Harris in the past game. It's through those kinds of things. But again, offensively, or they're not doing much. 340 yards, 250 are coming through the air, 90 through the running game. Whereas Cincinnati has been able to do a lot of different things through the past and through the run. Joe Mixon's been getting into the game a lot more. Um, and offensively, they will stifle you. They will make you a one-dimensional team. That's exactly what they want. We've seen with Awuzier uh, that, that he can take away their best wide receiver. And right now that's Deontay Johnson because Claypool has been injured. Juju Smith-Schuster is Juju Smith-Schuster. He's been on IR the entire year. Firemuth is okay, but you have Logan Wilson or you have uh, Jesse Bates um, who can cover him in uh, over the top. So like the, there's a lot of good pieces on this defensive side for Cincinnati that, that we've seen does well against Pittsburgh um, and offensively they're still explosive. You don't have, um, Oh shit. Who is it? Like Joe Hayden is still injured. Uh, he's questionable. Eric e- or Ben Roethlisberger is questionable. Um, as of today, Trey Turner is questionable. TJ Watt is questionable. Those that's a lot of important place, important pieces on this team that are questionable that are injured coming into this game uh, Sunday. So I, I'm going to go with Cincinnati. Perfect. Uh, Mitch, just real quick. Who did you pick Buffalo or New Orleans? I picked Buffalo. Okay, and then who did you pick here, Cincinnati or Pittsburgh? Cincy. Okay. Um, yeah, well, uh, you know, three's a crowd, but it's one I want to be in. I'm going to take Cincinnati as well. Um, the Bengals, I, I was worried about them, you know, these last couple of weeks. This was a 5-2 and two team that lost back-to-back games against the Jets and the Browns, uh, games they should not have lost. But they really showed out against the Raiders. That game was uh, was a really strong, especially second half performance from the Bengals. Um, Joe Mixon, I feel like is still the heartbeat of this offense. If he can get going, uh, they're going to be successful. Uh, but even if he can't, they've still got some great weapons in Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd and Uzoma. And, and, uh, uh, da, 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 and there's a guy that I'm missing in there. Um, uh, sorry. Uh, oh my God. Who's the kid from Clemson Boyd two years ago? Higgins. Higgins. Uh, Jesus. Um, and, and Pittsburgh's walking in beaten and bloodied. And I think that they're right now they're on the outside looking in the AFC North. I don't know if they can catch up. I'm going to take Cincinnati. Um, oh, I missed this up. This was supposed to be my first pick. Oh, well. Yeah, but you left. Remember? And you told me to do it. Yeah, sorry. So, uh, Mitch, why don't you kick us off then again, uh, just so I can okay. keep my order in my head here. Yeah, that's fine. That I got written down. Uh, Tampa Bay at Indianapolis, the uh, seven and three Buccaneers coming in off of that 30 to 10 win over the giants taking on the six and five Indianapolis Colts winners of three in a row, including a 41 to 15 win last week at Buffalo. Who are you taking? I'm going with my underdog pick. I'm going to pick Indianapolis. Um, I'm starting to like what I'm seeing from them, especially the dominant performance off the Buffalo bills. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is just really a special guy. Um, He's able to do it all um, whether it's through the rush or through the air um, and I think the Tampa Bay's defense is kind of taking a step back from what they showed us last year. Um, and I think he's going to give them fits and Carson Wentz has done an amazing job of, uh, you know, it's really been a redemption year for him. He only has like what two interceptions this year, which is huge for him. Um, so he's being able to do what he needs to do. Um, Michael Pittman's been starting to come into his own. And, um, I think the, you know, the defense obviously did a good job, um, which has been a real question mark um, against Josh Allen uh, last week. And I think that can translate. Um, so I'm going to go India as my underdog pick. 
Uh, yeah. One, just really quick question, Skyler. Do you know who your underdog is? I don't yet. Okay. Alrighty. Never mind then. So, sorry. Who are you picking? Um. See, I I was I was gonna go with Mitch until I looked at the fact that uh, Tampa Bay is only allowing seventy eight yards of rushing offense a game. That's rough, especially for a team like Indianapolis that is predicated on running the ball. Um, Jonathan Taylor is probably it, it with with Derrick Henry out is, is the best running back in in pro football right now, um, and he can do a lot of it. But when you're taking away one of the key components of this game, which uh, of their of their offense, which is running the ball, that's hard. If they can do what Dallas did, and that's kind of spread it out to the sides, make it through, make them go through there to win, then maybe. But you still have two of the best running. We has a very similar set to, to Jonathan Taylor, where he's a big bruising running back that can catch the ball out in space, has the speed to be able to get around guys and move in that. But you, you put Levante David and you put Devin Bush on him, you keep him there, they, then they can't get sideline to sideline. Outside of Jonathan Taylor, they, this team doesn't have an offense. It doesn't have another kind of, it doesn't, the T.Y. Hilton has been underperforming, Michael Pittman has been underperforming, all of these different kinds. T.Y. Hilton's been out for parts of it too. So that, that's what season, goes into yeah. Most of the season, but they're still underperforming at different parts. I'm sure that this will be a close game, but if I'm if I'm going between the offensive firepower that is Tampa Bay with all of their different uh, with Gronk back healthy now, um, Antonio Brown could be playing in this game. He's questionable to come back. That that is a lot of firepower that you have that I don't know if this Colts team can face, especially throwing the ball. That has been a weakness for this Colts team, just throwing the ball. That's how Tennessee beat them both times. It wasn't running the ball. It was throwing it. So I'm going to go with Tampa Bay. Uh, yeah, I agree with Skyler. I'm picking the Buccaneers. Um, my biggest deciding factor in this is Quentin Nelson re-aggravating his right ankle injury against the Bills. Um, no Quentin Nelson against a really solid defensive line for Tampa Bay, um, I think would be a huge blow. Um, even if he's, even if he does play, I don't think he's going to be hundred percent healthy. So I'm going to take Tampa Bay, but this, this is a toss up for me. Tampa Bay is the better team here. Tampa Bay should win this game, but Mitch hit it on the head. Carson Wentz has been playing lights out. Jonathan Taylor has been playing lights out. Yes. Their offense only runs through Jonathan Taylor, but we say the same thing about Tennessee. Now, granted, Tennessee has better weapons. You know, I, there's no doubt about that, but we say the same thing about Tennessee and, and they found ways to win even without Derrick Henry. So there's arguments to be made, but I'm, I'm going to pick Tampa Bay there. Uh, so we'll move on here. Skyler, why don't you kick us off Carolina at Miami, uh, the five and six Panthers coming off of a loss to the Washington football team and the four and seven dolphins winners of three in a row coming off a 24 to 17 road win against the jets. Uh, who are you taking? This was surprisingly hard. Um, yeah, um, I'm going to go with Miami. Um, I'm going to go with Miami for, for a couple different reasons. Um, and most of it just predicates around the fact that even with Cam Newton and, Christian McCaffrey, this offense was still stilted. There were still mistakes that were being made. There were still things that were like this was more explosive than they had been in a while. Uh, and they're still making mistakes that they shouldn't be making. Um, 
they're, they're still not the team that they need to be in order to win this game. I mean, there's not like I, I, I'm getting confused about whether or not this is the Carolina team that totally thrashes Arizona or this is the Carolina team that that shits the bed against um, Washington, that shits the bed against these other teams because there's no there was against New England. There's no difference between the Arizona, the, the team that beats Arizona and the team that loses to Washington. There's no difference. And honestly, they should have it should have been flipped. I mean, Washington offensively had not been anything and defensively they've been exploitable and the and and that team doesn't show up. Miami's defense is okay. It's not the best. It's not what we've come to expect out of Brian Flores' defenses, but they will limit your ability to run the ball and they will limit your ability that way. They, they will make you pass to beat them. And I, I struggle with Cam's ability to win games as a passing, as a passing quarterback. You, but I mean, I Dolphin, the Dolphins are better than the Giants, in my opinion. They're about the same with Atlanta. Um, and like against New England, against Arizona. Like, I don't know what Panthers team is going to show up because this is in Miami. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go with Miami. Uh, I'm going to pick Carolina. Um, Christian McCaffrey has gotten better each of the last two weeks that he's been back here. Um, this is still a Carolina team that, that does have a good defense, a better defense than what Miami shows. Uh, my issue with Miami, though, they've gotten better at it. Still a huge issue running the ball. Still a bad turnover problem defensively. They've, they've played uh, the last couple of games really well, but not against fantastic opponents with that exception against Baltimore. Uh, so I'm going to take the Panthers to win that game. Mitch? I'm going with Carolina. Um, I think we have to remember that this is only this will be only Cam Newton's second start, and this isn't the same uh, Carolina team that he's used to playing with. It's not Ron Rivera there. It's Joe, uh, you know, Joe Brady and Matt Rule. So I think he's going to feel a little bit more comfortable, understand the offense a little bit more. And like Brady said, Christian McCaffrey's looked a lot better. And uh, Tua's going to be going against a really good defense in Carolina. Uh, I know it's not what it used to be when the beginning of the season, but it's still solid. You know, still got solid corners back there in Gilmore and Jackson. Hassan Reddick, um, who's you know, he's living up to what he was last year. I thought it was just going to be that contract year good, and then he's back to being bust, but he's showing he's not. He already is in double-digit sacks. Um, I think it's going to be a big test. Um, but one thing I'm curious about to see is uh, um, Miami did pick up Philip Lindsay on waivers today, and I'll be interested to see if he does get some time. Um, I know he didn't live up to the hype in Houston, but I'm wondering if Miami can get Philip Lindsay looking back like Bronco Philip Lindsay and see what that can do for their offense. Very good point. So, oh, God, I wish I would have done this differently. Okay, so now <laughs> I have to start us off with Tennessee at New England. And, guys, I just really don't know because, like, I – I, oh, God. okay, I'm going to take New England to win the game. Um, no Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill, he just – he's not playing great. 13 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Uh, we take a look at his last couple of games. Against Houston, one touchdown, four interceptions. In the three games that they uh, – sorry, in the – wait, when did Derrick Henry actually get hurt? Uh, he got hurt in the game against the Rams. Um, in Since Derrick Henry got hurt, that Rams game uh, followed by their next two, uh, Ryan Tannehill has thrown two touchdowns and five interceptions. Um, this team doesn't have a running back option right now. They cut Adrian Peterson. New England has been playing fantastic football and incredibly, what's the word of the day, gentlemen? Efficient football. Mac Jones has been very good with the ball. They're running the ball fantastically, but this is a really good Tennessee defense. 
They had issues against Houston. Don't get me wrong, but four interceptions by your quarterback doesn't help you. Um, this was difficult for me. I'm going to take New England here, though, because if Derrick Henry was playing in this game, I'd take Tennessee. But no Derrick Henry. I don't know if this Tennessee offense can can really be as efficient as needed. I think they're going to make mistakes, and Belichick's going to exploit it. Yeah, give me uh, Patriots all day, man. Um, Mac Jones has shown that he's the best rookie quarterback in this class. Um, he does what he needs to do. Um, he's very efficient, gets the job done. Um, he's got a great stable of backs and Damian Harrison, who's back. Uh, Stevenson's shown he can be the guy as well. Um, I think it's coming out in the past game. Jacoby Myers is finally getting the end zone, all that good stuff. Um, and Brian Tannehill is going to be going against a, a really solid defense. Um, JC Jackson is still that guy. Um, even with Gilmore, not on the other side of him, uh, a guy like Christian Barmore, um, I think he's like, what, second in pressures, I think. Um, so, yeah. so he's, you know, been what he's been taught it as. Um, and I don't know if uh, Tennessee's going to be able to go up against that um, kind of defense without a guy like Derrick Henry. Yeah, I'm going to go with New England as well. I mean, Matt Judon, despite his, his hate of mac and cheese, um, is <laughs> – Ooh. is uh <laughs> cut him now cut him now um is is getting into the, he's probably of the many signings that they've made is probably the best signing that they made um this okay. offseason um in the amount of sacks that he's getting the amount of pressures that he's getting um we're also seeing that uh uche and winovich are starting to pay off in in the early draft in how they're getting to the quarterback too um just having judon on the other side um van noy is living up to what he needs to be jamie collins is starting to get back into the defense jc jackson and uh juan james and all of these guys these defensive picks backs that they have spent draft capital after draft capital after draft capital um, just building up when you let go of Stephon Gilmore and these guys have continued to do great JC Jackson I think he's had 26 interceptions since he's entered the league which leads the league um, and Tennessee has shown they, they will throw the ball but whether or not they should be throwing the ball is different um, Mac Jones is efficient him and Hunter, Hunter Henry's connection is starting to is starting to be very Brady Gronk-esque um, and how they're working and Damian Harris Ramondre Stevenson whoever's in the backfield is getting good yards behind this offensive line such as Trent Brown and the fact that Trent Brown's back just shores up that right tackle or left tackle wherever they decide to put him and is it, it makes this offense just hum. All righty. So then, uh, Mitch, why don't you kick us off with Eagles at Giants? The Eagles five and six, fighting to get to five hundred. Winners of three of their last four and two in a row here. The Giants three and seven uh, lost last week to Tampa Bay. Who are you taking? I'm going to go with the Eagles. Um, you know, the Giants are coming off a really bad loss against uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, the Ginger Clapper has finally been fired. Um, and it looks like Freddie Kitchens, I believe, will be taking over the play calling. Um, so we'll see if that oh, makes so a difference. So we lose the ginger clapper to get the kitchen sink. Yeah, so we'll see if that makes a difference or not. But, uh, you know, Daniel Jones is trying, but he just doesn't have the personnel to do it. Um, and I just want to give a huge F you to all the people who doubted Jalen Hurts, um, saying that he isn't the guy the Eagles need to draft for a quarterback. Um, if you take his first first 15 career starts and put it up against Lamar Jackson, um, he has this, almost the same amount of total offense. Um, he has three more touchdowns than him, a less turnovers, 
and almost the same amount of first downs. That's how good of a player Jalen Hurts has been. And I would say that Jalen Hurts doesn't have the same pieces that Lamar Jackson has had in his career so far. Um, so I'm going to Eagles. Yeah, I'm going to Eagles as well. Um, I think that just the way that they've been playing against good defenses even um, has been has been great. Uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, I mean, to, uh, 2,000 yards uh, passing, 600 yards rushing, a total of 21, 21 total uh, touchdowns. He's been doing great. Him and uh, Devontae Smith have been a, a nice connection um, that they've had between the two of them. And, like, Daniel Jones – He's not as bad as I said that he was at the beginning of the season, but he's not – he's still not good. Like, he's still Come not – He's got nothing, Skyler. Come on. I know he's got nothing, but no he's No offensive still... line, no receivers. No, I'm, I'm aware. Saquon. When you're, like, like, Saquon isn't that guy. Here's, here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. There's, there's two things to point out because I, I agree with Skyler. Like, I – and hey, man, me and Skyler had a huge argument over Daniel Jones, all right? But here's yeah. what I'll say. Since 2020, Saquon Barkley has the exact same rushing statistics as – does anybody want to make a guess? Since 20 when? Since 2020. Mike Davis. Um, can I get a hint? It's a quarterback. As, it's a quarterback? Josh Allen. Tom Brady. Baker Mayfield. Damn. Exact same amount of yards, exact same amount of carries, exact same amount of touchdowns. All right. Dan, when you play for an organization that decided that instead of drafting Saquon Barkley and Quinton Nelson, uh, or sorry, instead of drafting um, Quinton Nelson over Saquon Barkley, yeah, Qu- instead, yeah, you draft Quinton Nelson over Saquon Barkley, and then and oh my God, there was a who they had two first round picks that year, and they draft they drafted Aaron Hernandez over another player. That yeah. now I can, oh, over Nick Chubb. So they could have, yeah. this was a Giants team that could have drafted Quentin Nelson and Nick Chubb and instead took Saquon, who can't help it, he's been injured, and now have the worst left guard or the worst right guard in football. Like, has he been playing great? No. Has he been playing good? No. But you guys wanted to talk about caveats earlier. There has to be a huge caveat next to Daniel Jones. I mean, he's been given Matt nothing. Stafford levels of nothing. No, like no, I agree. I agree, but it's like that doesn't excuse throwing the ball directly to a Tampa Bay defensive lineman on Monday night football. It does when like your he right threw guard it. is immediately blown up by Jason. You're right. But he still but he still throws it directly to him. Like and again, like, Tampa Bay or like the Patriots or like the Kansas City Chiefs and he's still doing that stuff, I'll concede it to you, Skyler. But until Daniel Jones gets some actual help whether that's better coaches or better personnel. But even when he did, even in his best season, which we all agree was his rookie season, the season that he told everyone that he needed to fuck off, he still was not efficient. He still didn't have enough help. He still had a trash. No, and and like what I'll say, say, his turnover, like the, the amount of turnovers and how bad those turnovers are has improved. Like I'll agree to that. So I'll agree to that. He's been more efficient, like by virtue of Do fewer it. turnovers. Now, but now, but he's still not. Saying. He's not. He's not the level a third-year quarterback should be. He right? not. But I I can. I and can and this is and this isn't and this is. Go ahead. Go ahead. And this but but this isn't this isn't like just of like the fact that he only has nine touchdowns or the fact that he has seven interceptions or the amount of fumbles. Yeah, that's what your ignorance gives you. That he has or whatever. It's not that. It's... Yeah. 
We're good now. No, it's 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 no, the no, thing. You it's froze it's froze up on our end. Oh, okay. So. It, Yeah. It's not it's not like the touchdowns or the interception. You froze up again. It's it's literally not it's not that we're making fun of you. It's that you 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 keep freezing right, while trying to make this point. Right as you're about yeah. to be like it, you freeze. Okay. So it's not the touchdowns. It's not the interceptions. It's the decision making that's happening. Okay? Because as a third year as a third year quarterback and technically his second year in a system, he should be have and he is supposed to be the franchise guy. Like that is what we've been hearing. That's what yep. the decision has been. He should have the ability to make audibles at the line. If you know for a fact that your right guard is that fucking bad and you're running a screen, fucking audible the play. Just do it. And that's not what he's doing because he's supposed he's not supposed to be a big uh, a big arm quarterback. He's not he's supposed to be a game manager. That is what that he he needs to be for this for this team to to succeed, and that in, that includes making decisions at the line. And he's not making those decisions, and uh, and not making those audibles, not making those changes again with a shitty offensive line with wide receivers that don't want to catch the ball and a running back that's made of glass. I will put an asterisk next to this season. I will totally give that to you. But there are still things that I'm I'm looking forward. In, in terms of this game, I'm picking Philadelphia. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm taking Philly also. Um, every time I've picked against Philly so far this season, they've proven me wrong. Um, so I'm taking the Giants. Taking, won the game. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm taking Philly. Jalen Hurts has played incredible. Um, and Daniel Jones has only proven that has proven that the only NFC East team he can beat. Is Washington, not Philadelphia. Um, so <laughs> we'll move on here. Skyler, uh, you get the marquee matchup really of the century when the four and six Atlanta Falcons travel to Jacksonville to take on the two and eight Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Battle of the Toilet Bowl down there south. Uh, who are you taking? The Falcons coming off of a 25 to nothing loss against the Patriots. In the last two games, the Falcons have now been outscored 68 to three. Meanwhile, the Jaguars, not much better in terms of overall outcome losers of their last two, but they've only been outscored 53 to 27 in those games. So who are you taking? I picked Atlanta, uh, mainly because they actually kind of have an offense. Uh, like they have offense outside of, you know, James Robinson. Uh, Cordell Patterson is questionable. Yep, he is he's questionable. Got injury. He's got an ankle injury, but you still have Kyle Pitts. Russell Gage has been performing pretty well lately. Um, and the only offense for Jacksonville is also questionable and James Robinson. So, and that was kind of lose. And, you know, Atlanta has a better record away than Jacksonville does have at home. Atlanta is three and two away and Jacksonville's two and four at home. So technically Jacksonville's only two wins have come at home, but still I got to go with Atlanta because they have more than one person for their offense. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I'm picking the Falcons. Um, I just I, – I like the Falcons more than I like the Jaguars. Both of these teams are inconsistent, but the Falcons are at least they're, – they're actively trying and having – They're the consistently inconsistent. Exactly. Having the amount of injuries that you have and then, you know, and, and praise be to him for, for going through with it, but Calvin Ridley, you know, not playing right now at all um, is worrying, but – Matt Ryan is still out there giving it his all. Matt Ryan is, as of right now, still a better quarterback than what Trevor Lawrence has put out on the field so far this season. We won't talk about disappointment of the year right now. Um, I'm taking Atlanta to win this game. 
Yeah, Urban Myers is scared to coach. Come on. Okay, but like if we're gonna put caveats, it's one thing to say that like that Daniel Jones has the worst right guard in football and nobody to work with. And it's another thing to say that the number one overall pick, Mr. Football Georgia. His head coach has never coached in the NFL before. Come on. Give this guy a break. Neither did Joe Judge. Like, but yeah, and he's trash. And he's trash. Like, uh, I'm sorry. They're both actually, trash. Actually, Joe Judge has less of an excuse because he was the special teams and an assistant at New England and has rings from his assistant coaching okay, at fine. New England. Neither did Matt yes. Rule next season or last season. You're right. So give the guy a break. And he still got six wins. Mr. Oh, one game <laughs> doesn't decide the fate of the career. No, you're right, but ten games do. Come on now. Um. He's improved. Where was I? I No, I'm picking Jacksonville. Um, For one key matchup that you guys are forgetting, Josh fucking Allen going against the bad, bad, bad Falcons offensive line. You really think they're going to hold him? I mean, look what he did against the Bills. The dude was a game wrecker. Uh, And you think the Falcons offensive line is just going to somehow hold him? And Cordell Patterson's questionable. And with him, they have an offense, but, but without him, they really don't have an offense. And you say they still have Kyle Pitts, but, you know, last week it didn't translate into a win. Okay, but there's um, a difference between New England's defense and Jacksonville's defense. Yeah, I'll, I'll admit that. But still, Josh Allen is going to get in there and game record. So I'm picking Jacksonville. I don't know. Josh Allen has – I mean, he's, you know, one good one good game wrecking every 10 is – not Enough for a contract in the NFL. Yes, Anyways. Um, all right, so I'll <laughs> kick us off with my underdog pick as the oh New York God. Jets travel to Houston to take on the 2-8 and eight Houston Texans. Houston is the home team, only favored by 2.5 points. This is the counts. toilet bowl. And this allows me to finally pick my Texans not only to win a game, but also for it to be my underdog. And if they lose this game, I'm going to th- throw myself off a goddamn bridge. Um, Please don't. No, so ten, so the Jets are going to be out Zach Wilson, out Mike White with the COVID injury, out Joe Flacco, and as of right now, their starting quarterback is either James Johnson or Oshwaban on Wisconsin's own uh, uh, James Morgan. Uh, Wait, who, Zach Wilson's out? I thought he was starting. Uh, I thought they said that he was a game-time decision. Let me see. Oh, no, he will return to start uh, Houston. Uh, But even then, Zach Wilson, four touchdowns, nine interceptions coming off of an injury against a Houston team that, with the addition of Tarod Taylor, has just gotten better offensively and defensively. They've gotten better. This is still a a Jets team that does not run the ball very well. This is still a Jets team that is giving up more points per game than Houston is. Both of these teams are ass. Don't get me wrong. They are absolute ass. But right now – Tarod Taylor in limited action has played a lot better than Zach Wilson has in limited action. And we've seen that Houston's a better team because Taylor's out there. Taylor's out there. I'm taking my Texans. Yeah, I agree with you, Brady. I'm going with Houston as well. Uh, Tarod Taylor's will be the best quarterback um, on the field. Um, That's definitely so. Brandon Cooks is a legit wide receiver. Um, Wasn't for the concussions. He wouldn't be trading teams every one to two seasons. Um, I think he'll, you know, do his stuff. And we just saw them beat, a, uh, you know, a AFC leading tight Tennessee Titans team. And the Jets are nowhere near in that league. Um, so I'm going with the, uh, Wait, but didn't the Jets beat the Titans? They did. Yeah. yeah. 
I'm sorry. That I just remembered that the Titans have lost to the Jets and the Texans this season. Oh, that's so funny. Then they're still atop of the AFC. Still atop of the AFC. What the fuck? I'm picking Houston, by the way, also. But that's really it. Yeah, I kind of thought you were going that way. Guys, it's I so wanted fun. to pick the. If you all do. I wanted to pick the Jets, but no Mike White. So. Nobody and you hate the Jets. And I hate the Jets. All right, so then, Mitch, why don't you kick us off as the six and four Chargers coming off of a uh, a shootout uh, against Pittsburgh? Uh, winners of two of their last three travel to Denver, Mile High City, to take on the uh, Broncos, who are coming off of a bye week. Um, but their last game was uh, two weeks ago against Philadelphia, where they lost thirty to thirteen. So, who are you taking, Chargers, Broncos? I'm going Broncos. Um, I know that Justin Herbert came off an amazing, uh, you know, last second win against the Steelers. Um, but there's one matchup that's going to kill them. The Chargers have the worst run defense in the NFL. They're giving up 145 yards a game. And Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams have turned into a really solid duo. Um, and I think they're just going to have the field day with that poor ass rush defense. Um, so I'm going to go with Denver. Uh, uh, Skyler, you go. Yeah, I'm thinking. Right, but Denver's also. Ooh. This is rough. I'm gonna go with the Chargers, um, because if we look at similar opponents, Philadelphia, like Brady likes to point out, similar opponents, uh, the Chargers. We're able to beat Philadelphia 27 to 24, whereas the Broncos got destroyed, um, got their ass handed to them, as as good Sir Brady would like to say. Um, it's the the Chargers have a bad rushing defense. You're right, but it's not like Denver has a good rushing offense. They're only a, a, a 111 yards per game. Um, they're more of a play action, it looks like. Um, they want to air it out, and I don't know if they're going to be able to do it against the Chargers team with Derwin James. Um, and it's like the, this offense is working. It's working with Austin Eckler back. It's working with Austin, like with him out in uh, out out the backfield with Josh Palmer has emerged as like a good number three for them. Mike Williams did, can show up at any time. Keenan Allen is still amazing. Jared Cook has been doing good. Uh, just uh, Justin Herbert is isn't what he was last season, but he's still efficient. He's still scoring. He's still using his legs. He's doing all these things, and the defense is finding ways to win games. Um, so I'm going to go with the Chargers. Uh, yeah, I'm taking the Chargers. Also, Garrett Bowles for the Broncos placed on the COVID list. He is out this game. So I think that the Chargers pass rush is going to be effective. Um, you add on that Kareem Jackson is questionable. He didn't practice on Wednesday um, or he didn't practice today. And then obviously no more Von Miller, no more Bradley Chubb. That Broncos defense is down a lot of playmakers. The offensive line, which is their strong suit, is going to be out really their best offensive lineman in Garrett Bowles, which is an astonishing thing to say given how his career has fluctuated so far. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm going to take the chargers. I don't think Denver defensively is going to be able to stop the chargers enough for it to, to be very effective. Uh, so Skyler, now you do actually get what's probably the marquee matchup of the week as the uh, seven and three Rams travel to green Bay in a rematch of last year's divisional round playoff game. When they take on the eight and three Packers, uh, the Rams coming off of a bye week after a, or no, I'm sorry. The, uh, Rams lost, uh, yeah, a bye, right? 
Yeah, bye. Yeah, yeah Rams yeah. are coming off for bye. Rams are coming off a bye after losing two in a row to Tennessee and San Francisco. Green Bay coming off of a uh, loss on the road to Minnesota. They, they're losers of two of their last three. Now, um, Skyler, who are you taking? Rams, Packers. I'm going to go with the Rams. Um, and it's really because the Rams are, 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 are healthy. Um, for the most part, I mean, the only other, the only one besides Robert Woods, who we know is out for the rest of the season, is Leonard, is Leonard Floyd, and he's questionable. So that means, but that is also giving them a bye week to get Odell Beckham Jr. learning in this offense. He's giving him a week for Von Miller to get into this defense. He's giving them a week to get healthy for all of them. Um, Leonard Floyd is the only other person that's listed on the inj- on the injury report besides, um, uh. Uh, Robert Woods. Whereas you look at the Packers, Kevin King is questionable. Aaron Jones is questionable. Uh, Devontae Adams is questionable. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is questionable. This entire team is still trying to heal from all these injuries that they're facing. Um, and in a very physical game against Minnesota, a game that where you lose because you can't cover uh, basically uh, 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 what's Jefferson. the route? Justin Jefferson. Well, it was the routes that they were running. They were running oh, like, uh, like routes, crossing routes and like and like just sevens the seven routes yeah. um you can't do that and i'm sorry but there's no team that has more playmakers than the rams right now i mean you, even with robert woods out you still have van jefferson you still have tyler higby uh daryl henderson is now fully healthy um uh sony michelle this offensive line is healthy matt stafford is healthy like this team is healthy that that's the most dangerous team is is a, is a healthy team uh whereas there's so many injuries that are piling up um you just lost El- elton jenkins um to an acl uh, david bakhtiari might be coming back not for sure even then he's it's his first he's not coming back um this game so that that's rough with aaron donald vaude miller and leonard floyd who most likely will play that, that's rough i'm gonna go with the rams yeah, I'm gonna. I, I didn't let my pessimism Brady. overtake me for the Wisconsin game, but I'm gonna let it overtake me for the Green Bay one. Um, I, if Elton Jenkins was playing in this game, I'd actually pick the Packers. Um, and and the reason being that Matt Stafford and this Rams team have not looked good their last two outings. He's got two touchdowns, three interceptions his last two games. Walking into that stretch, he had 22 touchdowns, five interceptions. Um, Aaron Rodgers played fantastic last week with a turf toe. Um, 23 of 33, 385 yards, four touchdowns. What I want to see out of Green Bay is them being more effective through the run game. But the fact that you don't have an anchor like Elton Jenkins, and now your most experienced offensive lineman is Billy Turner, I believe, maybe Lucas Patrick. Correct. Um, no Josh Myers still. David Bakhtiari most likely not going to come back till after their bye week. Same with Jair Alexander. Same with Aaron Jones. Now, granted, a lot of those guys ended up practicing. Rashawn Gary practiced. Alan Lazard practiced. Devontae Adams was limited at practice with an ankle. Aaron Rodgers has done some magician-esque shit before, and this is a Packers defense that I think can absolutely win this game. But they looked really bad last week against Minnesota defensively. Uh, The Rams are a much better team offensively. I'm going to take the Rams to win the game. I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers. Um, You know, we've seen this before. Going against San Francisco, we had Josh Neiman at left tackle, and oh, the 49ers are going to win because it's at in California where they've struggled. There's no way they can cover Nick Bosa and Javon Kidlaw on that defense. Well, they Nick Bosa didn't get a single sack, and they won the game. Then they go against the Cardinals where they're missing their entire offensive weapons and defensive weapons and stuff like that. There's no way they're going to win it, and they pulled it off. Um, 
I think they can do it. Uh, they, Adam Stinovich is a very underrated coach. It showed that no matter what kind of group that he has, he'll figure out a plan. Um, and Matt LaFleur has not has yet to lose back-to-back games um, in, in his three seasons as a head coach. Um, I think the the defense will get better. Like you said, Rashawn Gary was practicing. Aaron Jones was practicing. Alan Lazard was practicing. It'll be good for both sides if we can get them back. Um, and, you know, we did – we looked bad. Uh, I'll give you that uh, to the Vikings. But if Darnold Savage uh, is – if there isn't a bullshit penalty on uh, the pick that he had or if he holds on to the ball to the other pick that he could have had, then the Packers win. And we're not talking about this. So I'm going with Packers, and it's at home. Alrighty, so I'll kick us off. Uh, rematch of the 2019 divisional round playoff game when the Minnesota Vikings head out to San Francisco to take on the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Both of these teams are five and five. Both of these teams have won their last two games. Minnesota with wins against, uh, excuse me, the Chargers and the Packers. The uh, 49ers with wins against the Rams and the Jaguars. Um, I... I'm going to take Minnesota. Um, I, I love what I've been seeing out of Minnesota offensively and defensively. Um, yeah. Defensively last week against green Bay was not great. Don't get me wrong. Um, they did give up four passing touchdowns, but what I liked out of Minnesota uh, was that they were able to generate a little bit of pressure. Dalvin cook really had a good game. Justin Jefferson had an absolutely fantastic game. Uh, Kirk cousins has been highly efficient. And I know that it's, it's not a shocking thing for Kirk cousins, uh, but he's gotten away with a couple of mistakes. Uh, we saw in that game against Green Bay, but so far, 21 touchdowns, two interceptions. That's not what we've seen out of San Francisco. There has been no consistency there. Uh, they've got quite a few injuries walking into this game still. I just, I, I like, I like the stride Minnesota's taken a little bit more than I like uh, the strides that San Francisco are taking. I'm taking the Vikings. Yeah, I'm with you, Brady. I'm going to go with Minnesota. Um, I just think that they're, the offense just matchups too well with the 49ers defense. Um, yeah, that front seven is pretty good, but the, the corners and safeties are not. Um, I don't think there's any corner on that team that's going to cover Justin Jefferson, let alone an Adam Thielen. Um, in the end of somehow you do, you still have a guy like Dalvin Cook uh, who can do it all for you um, on the ground. And Kirk Cousins, uh, you know, only has minimal turnovers, which is good for him, and will keep things going. So I'm going to pick Minnesota as well. You guys forgetting that this is the team that beat Los Angeles thirty-one to ten. Oh yeah, well this is a Minnesota team that beat Green Bay thirty-four to thirty-one. Okay, um, I'm picking San Francisco, and it's for one key reason: they're allowing two hundred and eighteen yards passing a game. Um, they were able to do it against. Uh, they were able to do it against LA. They were able to find a way in order to keep them from throwing the ball and using their uh, a bunch of different weapons in order to advance the ball. Um, it's, it's very similar. I, I will give you that Minnesota has a better running back than uh, Daryl. Hen- Cal- Dalvin Cook is better than Daryl uh, Henderson. Um, but it's, I mean, when you have OBJ and, no, you mean, and you're not talking about Daryl Henderson, you're talking about Elijah Mitchell. No, 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 Brady, I'm comparing comparing Minnesota to Rams, okay? You're good. Dalvin Cook is better than Daryl Henderson, but, I mean, Justin Jefferson is really good, um, and so is Adam Thielen, but, I mean, you have OBJ and uh, uh, Cooper Cup and Higby and all these other guys that are really good as well as wide receivers, and they were able to keep them, and one of the best offensive coaches that uh, college or that 
pro football I've seen in a while um, in Sean McVay and keep them from scoring 10 points. I think you could do something very similar with Minnesota and keep them from scoring a lot of points. And this is a very susceptible defense um, is something that uh, San Francisco has been able to do very well against where against LA and against Chicago, they've been able to score 30 points against both of those teams. I think that they will be able to thrive against Minnesota. Alrighty, so then, uh, Mitch, why don't you kick us off here? The Cleveland Browns travel to Baltimore in the Sunday night matchup to take on uh, Lamar Jackson, who will play, and the Ravens. Uh, the Browns uh, won last week in a real slugfest against the Lions, 13-10. to um, The Ravens uh, won last week in a real slugfest against the Bears, 16-13, to but without Lamar Jackson in that game. Um, lots of injuries across the board for both teams. Uh, Browns, Ravens. Mitch, who are you taking? I'm going with the Ravens. Um, it's not so much that the Ravens are a better team than the Browns. It's just the Browns are falling into old habits. Um, Baker Mayfield's a mess right now. I mean, I know he's dealing with an injury, but the guy needs to sit. Uh, even when he plays, he usually leaves with another injury or just re-injures himself. And how he, now he's uh, trying to fight the fans, saying they're the reason why the offense sucks. Um, it's just really chaos uh, with the Browns right now. Um, whereas I think the Ravens are a little bit more put together, uh, just as an organization wise. And I just think they're, you know, playing a little bit better than the Browns right now. Yeah. I'm also going to go with the Ravens. Um, if we're looking just at kind of, uh, the spark that they need, they were able to win the game against Chicago with Tyler Huntley, you know, that last fucking drive. Um, but uh, Baltimore with Lamar Jackson, uh, it, he's still super explosive. Still a good majority of their uh, their offense. Um, uh, Cleveland is is good defensively, but there's just too many weapons. Marquise Brown is starting to get back and healthy as well, which is another boon for this team. Uh, Mark Andrews is good over the middle, where that linebacker uh, core is just a little soft because Jim, Jim, Joke can't like cover everyone. Um, and Nick Chubb has been inefficient uh, in the running game the last couple of weeks, um, which is really sad to see. Um, and if 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 well, he's also Cleve, been injured, he has been injured, but, the, but the, he's been he's there been the last out. two weeks. He's been there the last two weeks and hasn't been having a, a, a ton of a ton uh, of yards. Chubb, uh, no, Chubb didn't play against New England. I thought he did. No, he was out against New England. He played against the Browns. He was out against New England, but he played against the Bengals. So he's oh, he played against the Bengals, out against New England, played yeah. against the the, the right. Lions. Right. Um, I so, but still, even then, um, not not what we're used to seeing from Chubb. Kareem Hunt starting to come back, but again, I don't know how healthy he's going to be. So, I'm erring toward erring towards the side of caution. I'm going to pick Baltimore. Yeah, I'm going to take Baltimore. Uh, really, what it's going to come down to is that the Ravens have a much better rush defense. And the Browns are coming in with a really injured offensive line. J.C. Treader is questionable to go with injuries to Jedrick Wills. Now they did activate him, uh, but most likely he won't be back till uh, after or till December. Same with Kareem Hunt. He was activated, but he's most likely not going to play in this game. Uh, meanwhile, the Ravens uh, or sorry. And then on the defensive side, the Browns, Jadavion Clowney is questionable. Malik Jackson is, is hurt. Um, the Ravens, Proved that you don't. They didn't need Lamar Jackson to win last week against a, a an injured but still very well coached Bears defense. I think the Ravens pull off another win against the Browns, and I think uh, I think it's time to really panic in Cleveland. Uh, so then, Skyler, why don't you kick us off here with our last game, our Monday night matchup? When the fuck are we going to get a good Monday night matchup? Jesus Christ! The three and seven Seahawks travel to Washington to take on the four and six football team. 
Uh, the Seahawks, losers of their last two in a row, and uh, three and seven on the year. Washington, winners of the last two in a row, but two and six on the year. Skyler, who are you taking? Uh, I'm taking Washington, and they're my underdog. They're a one-point favorite at home. So um, I've liked what I've seen out of Tyra Haneke the last week. He's got 15 touchdowns, nine interceptions on the year, but the last two weeks he specifically has been playing a lot better. Uh, with I, I mean, even with the win against Tampa Bay, he was very efficient in what he was doing. He wasn't turning the ball over. He was getting first downs. Carolina, same thing, making good throws, doing what he needed to do, um, not letting the noise of Cam starting get, get to him. Um, and even against Green Bay and uh, at Denver, we can see some of that improvement. Um, another thing is is that is Seattle is 122 rushing yards allowed um, per game, um, which is very just inefficient in general. And between Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick, they can get something done there. Um, and also uh, 291 passing yards per game. Uh, this, this defense is atrocious. Um, Washington's offense will be able to score some points on them and their defense has been improving steadily the last couple of weeks they haven't allowed 30 they, in the last four games they haven't allowed 30 points um, again but that's that's against you know Denver and Carolina in there but you also have Green Bay um, with Aaron Rodgers and Tampa Bay who are both two very efficient offenses so I'm going to go with, uh, with Washington as my underdog uh, yeah, I'm going to agree with Skyler. I'm going to take the Washington football team also. There's just nothing to like out of what we've seen from Seattle. I mean, it, there's just nothing to like. There's no reason that at home a Colt McCoy, Arizona-led team should win that game. Now, granted, like I've said in the past, Arizona-Seattle, they're always weird because they beat each other on the road but never at their home games. Um, but there's just there's nothing redeemable right now about the Seahawks. Even with Russell Wilson, it's still proven to be really difficult to get the ball to guys like Tyler Lock and DK Metcalf and hurt offensive line or roughed up defense. Um, Washington wins this game. Uh, also, Logan Thomas is expected to play in this game. He's still on IR, but he's expected to be activated and played. Yeah, he is. So that's just another weapon to get. And yeah, I mean, if, if Washington can kind of refocus on getting Antonio Gibson the ball consistently, they'll be fine. I'm taking Washington. Yeah, I'm taking Washington as well. Um, you know, the Tyler Haneke to uh, scary Terry connection has looked good, especially last week. I think that'll continue against a bad, uh, you know, Seattle defense, let alone secondary. Um, and when you got guys like Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne still in the middle of the defensive line going against a bad Seattle offensive line, um, you know, we were able to see what Green Bay was able to do that uh, offensive line. I think they'll have a field day and really, uh, you know, pressure Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson, you know, this, I think he's still recovering from his finger injury. He hasn't looked like himself the past weeks. I think he really rushed it. Um, so I have Washington continuing this win streak. All righty. So now uh, we're going to move on to our hero and our putts. Um, me and Mitch have the same hero, but just to provide a little bit of context beforehand, for those of you who aren't aware, uh, this last weekend in Waukesha, Wisconsin, uh, me and Mitch's hometown, uh, a fucking lunatic drove through a parade of people killing six. Uh, 40, 50 plus wounded, uh, 68 injured, 60. Yeah. Plus injured. Um, really just destroyed my community. And, and, and I'll be honest with you guys. I feel like a harbinger of death these last couple of years with, with everything that's happened in the places that I've lived, man, it has been fucking awful, but, uh, we'll start off our hero here. Uh, my hero is JJ Watt for the exact same reason as Mitch's, but I'll let Mitch do some explanation on that since he, uh, he's got it a little bit more planned out. Yeah, so uh, we're picking, uh, you know, hometown kid, Gigi Watt. 
um, as our hero because uh, as ever so generous as he usually is, um, he announced that he will cover the funeral cost uh, for the six people who uh, unfortunately passed away uh, from the incident that happened this Sunday. Um, you know, I, I'm just at a loss of words for, you know, what happened, of course, and just the generosity of J.J. Watt. Um, the dude's always a really good guy and, you know, is willing to do anything it takes to when it comes to the times and need. I mean, just look at what happened when, you know, the whole Houston situation and now helping out his hometown in Waukesha. Um, you know, there's just not enough, uh, you know, words to thank J.J. Watt. The dude's just so generous. And for the jackasses who are going to say that J.J. Watt is technically from Pewaukee, yes, I see that to you, but it's fucking right next door, so hop off. Um, but, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, just to talk a little bit about it, like, Waukesha has seen some messed up stuff, but, like, that incident was scarring as a human being. Like, you never think that that's going to happen in your own hometown. So, as I've asked people before with what's happened in Kenosha and Racine, where I live, Please uh, send up some thoughts to uh, our, our, our community back in Waukesha and one that, you know, Skylar is obviously connected to through family as well. Uh, so, Skylar, yep. do you have a hero for the episode? Well, I, GJ Watt, just give him some some love um, and, th- and thank you for taking care of the community that has taken care of me. Um, another one I'm going to go, I don't know if I mentioned it already, but it, it's um, uh, the N, how is it? It's the Na- National Women's Soccer Federation. Um uh, for you know, bowing down to what their uh, players' union said, the players' union um, after a bunch of allegations happened about sexual misconduct between some of the coaches and the players, the players' union came out with eight uh, things that they wanted to see happen. Um, and uh, as of like a month ago, uh, it, it, that's just how behind we are on our heroes and our putzes. Um, the the players' association said that the federation had gone through with all eight promises and we're holding up to their end of the bargain so it, it, it's just um mlb nba or mlb and nfl really more um yeah. this is how you handle player situations this is how you handle sexual misconduct this is how you handle um some of these things that are happening um within your league these uh the it, it's really easy it is really easy if you want um your fans to enjoy the sport if you want um your players to feel safe and like they have a voice um it's really easy you just listen to what they have these aren't it's not uh, one of the huge misconceptions is that athletes are dumb Uh, a lot of athletes are actually very very intelligent um especially football players there are some dumb football players i'll give you that there's some dumb players in every kind of sport but there are a lot of very intelligent players and their demands and things that they want to see improved within their leagues aren't things that you know you should just brush aside because you want to make more money it's been proven that the more you listen to players and the more they acquiesce to players the more money you are going to make because it shows that i mean look at the nba the nba turned around and became one of the most popular leagues in the in um in america because the players look like they actually have a voice in what they're doing and they have a say in what's happening in their sport um the nfl and nba are starting or mlb are starting to uh, uh decline because the players don't look like they have voices anymore um something the nfl is starting to learn but not entirely so that that's why they're my hero it's it's to show that you know good on the players for using their voice and good on the soccer federation for listening to them and acquiescing to their demands. Cool. So just moving on to our putts. Uh, my putts is uh, Matthew Judon for his slanderous terms uh, <laughs> and words against Matthew Cheese. As a fat Midwestern kid, 
Um, I find everything that he says about mac and cheese being the worst Thanksgiving food, uh, frankly, traitorous, uh, treasonous. Uh, he, we should make an example out of him for those comments. Like when you're going to say that like cranberry sauce exists, but mac and cheese is the issue. When you're going to say that like radish stew exists, but like mac and cheese at a Thanksgiving. Who the table fuck is, is the eating issue. radish stew at Thanksgiving? Oh, we would have it at Thanksgiving, like like radish and, and shit, or like fucking cannibal sandwiches are always at Thanksgiving for some goddamn reason. Now, granted, this isn't everybody Thanksgiving, but like it, take it for what it's worth. But mac and cheese is. We have shared Thanksgiving because I've never once had a cannibal sandwich on, on our table. You haven't had Thanksgiving at Jill and Barb's though, not in Waukesha. You've had oh, it. Oh, you're, yeah. you're right. So you're right. yeah, and you um, sit at the kids' table anyway. So yeah, yeah, yeah. both did. So no, 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 no. no. Uh, oh, so, Brady was at the adult table every time. I was always, yeah, I was at the head of the adult yes. table. Um, so Lies. Given, I mean, given just the slanderous, the the slanderous accusations <laughs> against mac and cheese, I think that he should fully be cut from the Patriots, put on the NFL's uh, commissioner exemplary, and maybe hung in Jibbity Square. I'm not going to lie. I'm getting pretty close to that as well. Uh, so, Mitch, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, the, totally agree with those sentiments. And to add – an update to that. Kyle Van Noy is uh, in agreement with Matt Judon. So, um, all right, you know, Gibbity Square is getting. We got to add to it. We got to make room for two bodies. Sorry, Skyler. Yep. I don't know what to say. I feel like I want to. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, then, God. Uh, then my thoughts. Uh, uh, I've already yeah. said it, but uh, it's to the Jalen Hurts uh, haters out there. Like I said, during the whole Eagles. Uh, you know, predictions. He has similar stats in his first first fifteen starts, comparable to Lamar Jackson. So hop off his dick. Uh, for putts, I mean, there's just a lot to go around. I, I mean, for for putts in general, I just for me, I just I, I want to call out the person that already has all of their Christmas lights like full on blast like down the street because <laughs> fuck you, Thanksgiving's tomorrow. I don't need this in my life. Um, but. I don't know. Like it, it right? I did not come. Judah. I won't <laughs> yeah. because I don't think we should hang him over it. Listen, um, listen. I, I will say, I will say. Capital um, punishment or no punishment. <laughs> Brady's my putts for saying that we need to hang. Uh, but no. Um, for for putts in general, I just, I guess I I, I gotta say Brady for well, you know. Hang him by his thumbs. That's weird. Uh, I, I'm going to say the Georgia non-believers. Uh, Georgia honestly, non-believers. Oh, okay. the Georgia non-believers, they're so number one. I'm and then also write down Brady with a lot of yeah, I also I'll also say for the Cincy non-believers that were sitting there and go like Cincinnati Bearcats, not Bengals. Um, those two teams that people said at the beginning that, that they needed to show offensively. I agreed that Cincy needed to show offensively, but they've both shown that defenses are still ways in which to win championships. They're both ways in which um, you can win your your conference. Um, whatever happens to Georgia through the rest of this, I don't. If they win the national championship or whatever, I think that they've they've proven that they are a powerhouse in the SEC. They're a powerhouse in college football, um, and that they you know are are here to stay. Whether it's Stetson Bennett or JT, I was wrong about JT Daniels. I will take that. I will take that ball. I was fucking wrong about him. But uh, Stetson Bennett, uh, uh, whoever is at quarterback for them, they they are showing. Yeah, yeah, that they that they are uh, efficient. I I and I am very glad that Desmond Ritter decided to come back. Uh, him coming out with his uh, daughter for senior day for Cincinnati was very touching and very warming. Um, and I look forward to seeing what kind of career he has in the NFL. Um, uh, but yeah, so 
Georgia and, and Cincinnati haters, you are my putts sure, this week. Sure. Vindication! Uh, granted, I mean, in my opinion, if Georgia doesn't win the national championship, you should fire Kirby Smart and hire Bill O'Brien, but whatever. Uh, so <laughs> that is our – that's our episode, everybody. We appreciate everybody for tuning in. Have a fantastic uh, day, a fantastic Thanksgiving holiday, and thanks for listening to the Fourth String Sports Podcast.